Kia ora everyone, welcome to the Side Hit Podcast, I'm your host Fat Tony, and today with us we've got Julianne Bray, welcome Julianne. Hi Tony. How you been? I'm good, yeah, Sweet. great. Good summer? So far, so actually so cold I have to wear a puffer jacket at the moment. Yeah, yeah it was snowing up the hill today, eh? Yeah, no. yeah. Um, <laughs> guys, did a bit of time on the coast? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been getting into fishing lately, and um, spending a little time over in a batch that we... Uh, we put in for on the west coast right on the sea oh, so that's my missing thing i think all right get some surf over there too more a bit scared of the sharks um but i'm more yeah i'll be kayaking out there first oh, yeah. i think scope Sweet it out is. i'll surf if yeah we'll see and you've been flying kites too from what i can oh, tell oh yeah Instagram. yeah yeah that's actually pretty a fun pastime <laughs> yeah i need a viper my viper broke but um yeah i've got a box kite at the moment oh, and sweet. it's flying it self-launches which is oh, cool right. oh, yeah sweet. Uh, so i guess we'll crack into the basics sorry um uh where are you from and how'd you get into snowboarding wellington i grew up in tawa and dad took me snowboarding actually skiing at Papa, so Started up there in 92, I think, when I was about 15. Met some friends from around the area that I hadn't met before, so through snowboarding, met some friends through a mutual friend, um, Mark Mark Sayers, actually, amazing snowboarder back in his day. And uh, we went to Tūrā Whakapapa mostly in the weekends, and uh, there was one of the girls, actually, Bex, was, uh, we just met her in Aukuni one night. Uh, she was, We were playing pinball, and she, she was out on the street, and I think some people were trying to steal her jacket. So she popped into the pub and found us playing pinball, and so we met Bex Janes. And, and she um, was a big part of my snowboard career. Yeah, she was the starter of a snowboard company called Pink Clothing, Streetwear, Outerwear. Yeah, so um, together we ended up moving to Wanaka a couple of years later, I think 94. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. uh, so Spy was telling me that um, Pink made like snowboard dresses or something. Yep, that's right. We had little mini dresses that you'd put over your snowboard pants. You still wear your snowboard pants. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, it's a good, a good system, actually. It was like a double layer of, of waterproof material, and you wouldn't get snow down your pants. So, <laughs> And if it got hot, you could take your jacket off, and you still had some uh, protection Man. from the ice. Yeah, no, And no one's brought it back since. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah. They invented uh, gaiters instead, I guess. Oh, right. Yeah. So, Wanaku 94, whereabouts were you riding then? TC, uh, TC, yeah, strictly TC. Like, I didn't really ride anywhere else, and I'd be quite happy to not ride anywhere else. It's really good there. Mm, so, um, yeah. Um, and was it just you and Bex riding? Like, who was the crew you were riding? Uh, with? We had about four or five girls, and that grew over the season. So, yeah, we were a bit of a we're a bit out there for a lot of the local people. I think we were oh, really? pretty alternative. We'd wear multiple layers of of uh, night wear, night ga- dressing gowns and All right. petticoats and things like that <laughs> and wear stuff on our jackets pretty much to freak people out. I think mainly what appealed at the beginning was 
that whole rebel kind of aspect of snowboarding. And and to tell you the truth, back then snowboarding wasn't really that welcomed. You know, you weren't made to feel that welcome at the resorts. Mm. So um, did you get a bit of hostile reception from TC locals and that sort of thing? Yeah, like the yeah. Ski locals? Yeah, not so much the ski locals. The, 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 ski, the ski scene down here was um, mostly like big mountain, pretty committed skiers who mm. didn't mind a bit of difference. But um, it was probably the, the farming scene maybe and oh, just so the shop. When you go to the, the pubs, that sort of the thing. The pubs, yeah, there'd be a bit of... Um, yeah, Fritchin. So yeah, yeah. stories about like ruggers versus snowboarders. Yeah, fights yeah, and shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the ruggers. Well, yeah, so I didn't. I totally went off rugby for like ten years, mm. purely because of that. Yeah. They were just horrible redneck, you know, collars yeah. up. And so um, Treble Cone was fine though. The vibe up there was pretty cool. And so, um, so you had a crew of like five girls. Um, who were who were they? You, you and Bex and yeah, Bex James and Helen, a girl called Julia Barnes. So yeah, well they don't snowboard so much anymore. Uh, yeah, mm. and just... who were some of the crew that was like ripping TC on snowboards back then? Uh, oh, there was. Um... Oh man, I actually have to think. <laughs> Because, like, I, I don't know. Other than, as a well, grom, I think Rayon I, didn't get there till the next year, but... Really? Yeah. Because, like, as a grom, I remember just seeing pictures of, like, um, like Dino Johnston and Ollie Dino Johnson, and yeah, Dino. And stuff like that. Like, so, yeah, I'm just going to think back. Because it was, like, red. You can delete this, so. <laughs> Um Get the names right. Um... <clears throat> So, like, you did yeah. a, a Methven's... So, did you do the Wanaka season and piece out to Methven for a while or something? Nah, um... So, yeah, 94 was my first season. Okay. And I stayed in Wanaka pretty much till 96. So nine, yeah, did three seasons here. Did a season at Mount Hutt. Yeah. Started doing the competitions about then, and then came straight back to Wanaka... Oh, After right. that, yeah, I only did one so, season in Mount Hutt. So what inspired the move from Wanaka to Mount Hutt? Uh, I think at the time they had, Mount Hutt had a half pipe at the, on, yeah, they just had some, some good terrain parks and there were some good riders there. I think Quentin Robbins and Ollie Brunton from, that make the unit snowboards. Yeah, so, so they... They were there, so that was a shit, good reason So they were Methven... Like, I mean, obviously yeah, Quinton was, was Yeah, um, and Neil Zeppela. Right, so I, very, I didn't know that Ollie was up there too. Well, he actually probably just was there visiting when right. I saw him, but it was... Yeah. Oh, those dudes, like, I mean, we could write a whole book about Ollie, Quentin and Unit. Yeah, but, and the story goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, and... Um, but, yeah, but, um, yeah, so the Wanaka days were more the main core days where I learned to snowboard properly and did my time. Yeah. up TC and I think the main reason that TC I, I just have to give that place credit because it's got such a great pitch and mm. the terrain is is everything that you could want and you can just so get air were you the pushed by the terrain or the people you were riding with or the, the people terrain you were up to at Treble Cone was definitely so when I went overseas for my first time and went riding with Canadian riders they rode 
fast. Yeah. I don't know if any other Kiwis have experienced that when for their first time riding with Canadians. So Treble Cone's got the great terrain, mm. but Canadians know how to ride. And so Just born in it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So that was a good speed up for my skills and uh yeah, being able to yeah, come back to these mountains and every every year you kind of get some new skills and get better. Yeah, so, yeah and you realise so how good it is. Yeah. It was about ninety seven you sort of came back to Wanaka after the method. Yeah, sort of yeah, thing. yeah. So that was only a short term thing and I've never really lived there. Um mm. so I go back to Wellington if I need to work or do some studies yeah. over the years. Uh, yeah, so when, um, yeah, the things started, the ball really started rolling the way with snowboarding and momentum, lots of people doing it and the gear was getting better and things were selling and people were getting sponsored and it just suddenly seemed realistic for me to do that as a career. Yeah. So people wouldn't take me seriously. Oh, how come? Like, well, because it wasn't really an option, especially my friends would, but not the family or the, you know, if mm. anyone was... Like a- approaching sponsors, were they sort of all like, yeah, you're right? Oh, thing, no, or? there wasn't really enough companies to even get sponsors right. back then, but I knew in my, that it was going to happen. Yeah. So in, in New Zealand, it hadn't quite hit, but from what you see in the, the odd snowboard video that was getting released, that mm. things were happening. Was there some international writers you were looking at at the time? I yeah. Feel like Barrett Christie and Barrett Christie. Tina Bassett were around yep. killing it then. Yeah. Cersei Wallace. And some, of the, some of the big mountain writers as well um, were like, that I had met were encouraging as well. Oh, who really. were they? Um, see, I'm really bad. I should write people's <laughs> names. Was was this like international big mountain riders? Yeah, kind of like yeah. Victoria Jalous. Yeah, and... um, yeah, Victoria Jalous and um, I should write them down. I'm not very good. At... <laughs> we we, we apologise to the big mountain riders of the time. There, yeah. Well, uh, we might have to have a comeback to that one. Yeah, maybe, maybe in episode two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So so it was. Um, Pretty small industry then, sort of mid-90s, things started booming off. Yeah, so was, Pink was the the, the, mis, the link, actually, the clothing company that my friend Bex had. She uh, took it over to Japan. She took her brand to Japan, and it got picked up. So not really sponsorship, it was more corporate. A company from Japan who had multiple brands bought her brand and took me on as part of the deal to be a representative for this brand, Cosmic right. Surf. So snowboard brand, so snowboards. That, and that was your first board sponsor? Yeah, Cosmic for Surf. sure. So that was like 98, 97 maybe. All right. Um, yeah, it would have been about 98. And so, and so was, that changed things for me. And pink was like big in Japan. Yeah, sort of and so they were making clothing called pink clothing and then they had snowboards called cosmic surf and they needed us to give them advice really on on what the market wanted what they what we thought was cool mm. and if it was quite funny i ended up doing a lot of spell check for them oh yeah yeah so they would make mistakes and make ten thousand sweaters with their own brand name cosmic surf yeah. spelt 
Cosmic Surf, like C U S. Yeah. So, that was actually working out it all a little bit, eh? Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so, yeah, they would be wasting money and they they do other stuff like spelt people wrong. And so, they'd, they'd, one of their logos, mottos was for people who love nature. But they'd spell and printed it on a whole bunch of t-shirts for Pebbles, who <laughs> loves the nature and it was all wrong. So I tried to save them money by doing their spell check and I'm definitely not the per- right person for that. Right. That's were okay. In, were you involved in um, like snowboard design with Cosmic Surf or anything like that? A little bit towards the end. Um, and then it was a little bit to do with the economy, actually. The, the Japanese bubble burst, like, 90s kind of early 90s the financial situation was not so good and so we were on the tail end of that and luckily so we got these you know pink got got some good deals and I got on this on the sponsorship deal we had a contract and not only that they'd fly pay for my flights and accommodation and Mm. uh, I'd be in Japan and uh, yeah, they'd use me for photo shoots and stuff, and All it right. was pretty cool. Because I think I read in your old interview in New Zealand Snowboarder that you were involved in like, like hosting board meetings or something. Oh like yeah, they. Or, I'd have to go to the. Yeah, I. I would have to go to the get board up and meetings. Speak and, yeah. But how was that being? Well, it was quite unusual. We would do, take yeah take notes on what what we thought was necessary. For the industry, what was going to sell what well, but there was a huge language breakdown. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my Japanese was no better than the English. Yeah. And my Japanese is not that good. So, yeah, I think there was a fair bit of miscommunication, but that was okay. It was really interesting to see how um, how the mm. chain of command mm. works and, and yeah, were, were in a male dominated world in Mm. japan because were they monitoring what you were doing here because like my first impression of you was that um very iconic cover shot on new zealand snowboarder right and uh, i'm pretty sure you're riding cosmic surf then yeah like were they checking that out being like no way our riders just got the cover and definitely yeah 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 and then i'd do well in competitions and they would plaster posters around the whole like snowboard city town Mm. And yeah, yeah, they would really yeah. I was wor- it was working for them. Like I was a prof- high profile, and it was. I, I never seen yeah. anyone but you and maybe a friend riding Cosmic Surf. Was, was that, those boards weren't available it in New Zealand. Yeah, or? you wouldn't be able to buy them in New Zealand. Right. Um. So it was Japanese, Korean, and probably China market. All right. Yeah. Mm. And Which, I mean, that's they, they still have. Yeah, they were selling brands over there, right? tens and th- tens of thousands mm. of boards, and they had multiple brands. So mm. Cosmic Surf was just one of them. Um, so how come? Uh, well, what was with the switch to Burton? Uh, well, partly because Cosmic Surf was no more. The oh, right. economy yeah. just caused just it ended. to, yeah, close. So yeah, I was almost getting my own pro model. Yeah, and then that never happened so I kind of just fizzled oh, out that sucks. yeah like, it's so close yeah yeah Fuck. yeah it was a little bit like that um it was quite not really my style though mm. that style of marketing and snowboarding for me I just was 
yeah, probably a little, it was a bit pretty cheesy. Some of the stuff mm. that I had to do and take photos of me having dinner and stuff. But I don't know. I'm just yeah. not really into that. Um, so yeah, that was cool. And then the um, but also during that time, so I got sponsor sponsorship and then mm. started competing. Right. Yeah. So that was possibly what my goal was and more. So, so that was a way to to achieve my goals. What sort of disciplines were you competing in at this time? Uh, mostly, well, in, in fact, I started off with slope style mm-hmm. and big mountain because, yeah, I just love free riding. And then um, started doing border cross as well because that worked with big mountain and coming from treble cone just seemed like a natural thing to do and the um tr- yeah so my first overseas trip was actually to canada right yeah uh, whereabouts in canada fernie oh, so that so. was my first season overseas yeah. yeah and um went to whistler competed did really well and so that was yeah confirmed what i'd thought back home when yeah. i was younger that i could do well in this and oh, that there was like a pathway there. Yeah. Yeah. And so who was, um, I think we'll just take the New Zealand, we can pick international if you want to, but mm. start with New Zealand. Like, Who was the female riders to beat at that time that, that you had to look at and be like, right, that's the person I've got to yeah. get up and uh, show? Well, there was Shannon Dunn from yep. Burden, and she was American. So and she's in the videos. I could measure myself with her by seeing that and then in New Zealand there were quite a few women snowboarding or pushing it um, but mainly there was Pam Bell she Mm. came from a more uh, race background so she's riding a different type of snowboard to me and I didn't really identify with her and felt that I wanted to represent snowboarding my way which is a little bit more like rebel and anti-establishment nothing harmless you know nothing harmful but you know just an expression for me I guess snowboarding and sport is also art and it's an expression of your so more of a freestyle based yeah freestyle is a good way to Um, free free sport you know it's it's creative it's not so competition is a pathway to be able to express myself as well and also I could see that there, that was an option and that it was financially possible to do it if I could win money and mm. get sponsors. So, so from, I didn't really need to choose my career. Mm. I just had to, so there's something to I'd make like to it happen. ask you about your writing style. Um, from an outsider looking in as a grommet buying magazines, um, <clears throat> for a long time the only female writer I've seen in the magazines was... Pamela Bell, and she was pretty gnarly and all that, and and uh, and I remember this resonated with so many girls that I knew, and we were, Gina was talking about it before, that you had this interview, this cover shot, this huge indie year off, Cadrone, I mean, Triple Cone Rocks, and the, all this just freestyle work of their shots that just, re- like, so many mm. girls I worked with at Cadrona would be like, fucking, have you seen this? This is fucking A Julie girl. Ray, and... and, and <laughs> And they were tripping like, well, she's doing a cab spin. Like, and and it's yeah, so, it yeah. had a huge impact, like maybe beyond what you're aware of. Because like, people I'm talking about weren't sponsored. They were just like, fuck, I've just got to do that. Yeah. Um, where did this 
come from? Like your, oh, your writing style skateboarding. and skateboarding. Skateboarding. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I was gonna surf when I was a kid, but I had uh, a choice I think of a surf I had a wetsuit, saved up for a wetsuit. But never got the surfboard. I think I got a snowboard. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, but I could skate, and we could skate all day and all night in Wellington because you've got really good street skating at night. Plus, you've got mm. ramps and that. So, who were you skating yeah. with in Wellington at the time? <clears throat> um, well, Dean Hunt, and a little bit Dean Hunt, but he was more vert. And then, but this crazy guy called Matt Russell. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of I've him, but he's. heard the name, yeah. He's pretty pretty um righteous and really good skater but yeah ivan gregoroff the um gregoroff brothers Stu mckenzie like quite hardcore skaters because mm, wellington had a pretty gnarly scene at the time yeah yeah just like it was pretty about fun yeah well because the cool thing about wellington is you can go up the elevators in the, the lambton key to the terrace so yeah. you can go up like nine floors and then you just make your way back down the terrace through underground car parks. Oh, yeah, and it's a nice downhole as well. So, yeah, and then you come down into Lambton Quay and you scale on the quay again and then you get the elevator up again. Right. Yeah, it's really fun. So, like, so obviously applying the skating, skateboarding to the snow. Yeah. Um, was there any riders oh, yeah, that were Brink sort of screen, pushing? Brink Screen was, like, a big influence for me and his right. crew. Yeah. Uh, so, like... Was this like pre Madwax Brent Screen? This yeah, way far way way pre Madwax. I actually dated Brent Screen for a year or so. No way! <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brent. Because yeah. we're both from Wellington, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, now he taught me heaps of snowboarding stuff, and then they often say his friends, and when we get together, they're like, oh, Jew was like, you know, we're teaching her all this stuff, and then. They thought they'd better stop teaching me stuff because I was getting better than them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're very good guys. Right, and was yeah. that sort of uh, when they were riding Royal Pages? Yeah, yeah. Stuff? So that was back before we moved south. Yeah. I so yeah, those were the really ground. You know, that was where the ground where it was done. We just rode from mm. you know, open till close and lap, 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 and watch snowboard videos and, at night and just. Eat and breathe it. And did, was this when sort of Dino and Haley were yeah, based up that Dino way Yeah, Dino and Haley were like selling boards and had a shop and they were like, wow, you know, the amazing people that they are and they've done so much for the sport. So mm. they've, yeah, been, was, been there yeah, yeah, well, looking I, over us. I just think of uh, Dino Johnson, that cover shot he had. It was the first time I'd seen a picture of someone in a rail? Well, not, probably not the first, but close to the first time I've seen someone and he's jibbing that rail at yeah. Ruapau and it's like, shit, fucking weather. Yeah, and just it's like, such a cool this dude photo. Like, I love that photo. Yeah. It stands out, doesn't it? Because of the bad weather and the fact that he's on a picnic table. So ahead of its time, isn't it? Mm, and then like, like... 30 years ahead of its time? Everyone that... Yeah. <laughs> like these kids, they're doing that now. Yeah, I mean... But, I mean, that's testament to Dino and his writing totally. abilities and vision. But, I mean, yeah, show, show that picture to anyone that's from Rua Pei, they're like, that could only be Rua Pei. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah they probably raw. waited two weeks. That was probably the nicest day. Raw as fuck. <laughs> right, we're, we're kind of, I don't know, we've yeah. gone on a bit of a tangent, but that was fucking rad. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you're competing a bunch, um, yeah. <clears throat> mainly slope style and big mountain. Was this sort of at the time of the World Heli Challenge? sort of thing yeah so 
World Heli Challenge was in New Zealand, and that brought international riders here. And mm-hmm. that was that was kind of next level crazy big mountain heli. The helicopter rides themselves were like um, more scary than anything I've ever done in my entire life. Really? Yeah. How so? Like, well, the door opened one time. Holy and fuck. we were like coming over a ridge and then into the valley and then we went up, nose pointing straight up into the air and then the chopper stalls on purpose. Yeah. They're doing it on purpose. The drivers they're are just loving it. Like this is their time to shine. And they're like, so you're stalled up in the air and the door, and then we drop out of the sky and into a spiral and go all the way down to the Macarora. But yeah, the window, the door came open, and and Harvey, I think, was driving, and he wasn't too impressed. But yeah, I've seen stuff um, with those drivers. Like I've seen the helicopters go upside down in a loop, and they reckon that that's not possible. But I've seen those guys do that. Yeah. Holy shit! Like, yeah. <laughs> and then and then you get to ride powder afterwards. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Um, it's the best comp ever. Um, really, really amazing tr- terrain for the Halley Challenge. That was the Rip Curl Halley Challenge. It was an awesome event. So, did you yeah. participate in the Chinese downhill on that? Yep. What yeah. Yeah, that, was, that, that was all right. It was not so bad for the ch- the woman because he went so many of ours. But the Chinese downhill on Mount Brewster for the men was like so dangerous. People mm-hmm. just like fully catapulting, like. Whilst another guy rides next to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yes. Like, and, but that is good. Because I, I remember <laughs> reading, so I think it might have been in your interview, that you would, like, win the Halley Challenge and then go to work at Da Vinci's Pizza or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and serve the same dudes that I'd just been riding <laughs> oh, with. Oh, no. Yeah, that'd be right. So... Aww. Was that just like... I know, those, yeah. Just a lack of support from sponsors and stuff? No, nah, just... it's just everyone's got to work. It's not a, yeah. you know, yeah, but it's sort of jobs that you can have when you want to snowboard all day. They yeah. give you that much flexibility. Yeah. Mm. And so were you part of um, the Heli Challenge when they had the first big ears in the Barrows car park over the car? Yeah, sort of yeah. Uh, there was a uh, fire truck. They yeah. they put they put a fire truck in between the holy shit takeoff and the landing. Fucking yeah. hell! Yeah, 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 and that was good. Um, again, the jumps were built just as well as what they build today. I think maybe a little bit harsh on the landing, but that's because it's trucked down snow. You know, they mm. delivered it there. We did have more snow back then, I think, and the pros would come. So they and one of the big ears was set up in Lismore Park. P- perfect like natural roller in Lismore Park already. So mm. you set up some scaffolding and a jump there and you've got a nice basin for the crowd to sit in or stand. And the pros arrive and it's probably four o'clock, so it's almost getting dark because it was middle of winter. Mm. And uh, they're like, there's no way we're doing this. There's no way. Nah, this is Like just... the international guys? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, there's like um, the... Oh, Lip Tech writers, Jamie Lynn. Really? Yeah. They, they all backed down. Yeah, and I think Devin Walsh was there. Yeah, I seen him do like a Misty flip and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, there was shit. some 
like and uh, they were our like total like idols like these mm. guys and we we're like oh my god oh my god and then so we're there and ollie was there and rion was there and so uh, ollie you say ollie burke ollie burke right, was yeah. there yeah and he was chomping at the bit to hit it he couldn't wait and he'd already done the heli challenge and ran on me and we'd all been up the hill and in the you know choppers for the week doing these comps and it was just fun and then the pros were like this is shit you know we're not doing this 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 whole new zealand thing is shit and um we're like okay whatever and ollie just walked up the scaff and dropped in switch and did switch rodeo and just landed it with even not even a whisker down you know just Holy perfect shit. and it was really weird light you know there was no artificial light it was almost like you couldn't see and he just and they were all like oh fuck we have to hit it now <laughs> like what are we gonna do because <laughs> what what year would this have been that so would have been like nice. 2003 Around there? Nah, oh, no, hold on. Like late 90s. 90, sure. 90. It must be 98, 99, right. 99. Yeah, around there. Sick. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember Devin Walsh in 99. It like, must have been 99 well, then. That's so sick. So Oliver drops in, yeah. scores them all with a switch radio. Totally. And they're all like, oh, we have to do it now. Oh, like, hell. okay, comp on. And, you know, you can't walk away after someone does that. Mm. And they were, you know, trying to kind of boycott the comp. And there was no way, so it was on, and it was rad comp, and we got heaps of really good media that night, mm. really good footage, and stuff went around the world, and back then it went viral, you know. Mm. The Halley Challenge got lots of, of coverage. Mm. It was um, pretty wild. Could you enlighten me on one of the Halley Challenges? I can't remember what one, but there was, and, and I could have my facts totally wrong on this, um, but there was one year where there wasn't a women's division in the big air jump or something like that. Mm. Well, I think that because um, there may not have been a women's division because I mean, I mean, we were like there and we were just like ready to go. We had a board. There was me and this other girl, and she was good. She was good enough to hit it, and we were ready to hit it. And they were like, "Oh, sorry, girls. You know, we're not doing the the ladies tonight." We're like, "What?" And then I think we ended up doing it, and we were spinning. We we're doing three sixties over it. And uh, um, not all the riders were spinning, even mm. in the men's. So they decided to to kind of have the girls comp anyway. Oh, so. Yeah, and we got heaps of props for that because it was it was a little bit like you know entertainment for people. Mm. They want to see it. Because mm. I'd heard a story of like maybe it was a bit embellished, like just from the crew and stuff of like oh yeah like. These two girls like totally like broken and rushed the right, show and right. that sort of stuff. I was like, maybe that was their sick. perspective. Like, <laughs> well, I, I love the story. I was like, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, um, maybe it was. <laughs> and so about this time, if I remember rightly, you were part of the original uh, TC snowboard team called Coneheads. Yep. Um, Coneheads. What was because that was a gnarly team, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Dino, Ollie. Rion, yourself, and Jar. Yeah, and a lady called Jean, Jean. actually. Jean Claremont, who also needs a mention. What's up, Jean? Oh, sweet. She She's a local lady, and she moved to Wanaka really early when we did, but she's a bit older than me, so she sort of kind of was like camp mum to a lot of 
All right. A lot of crazy kids that had moved down here and looked out for us. And she uh, had often had a, oh, she had a skate ramp. That was the other good thing. But yeah, Jean was actually one of my advisors in how to make snowboarding into a career. Right. Yeah, she she had. Was people. she a sponsored she, rider too and stuff? She, I don't know if she. Yeah, she might have been sponsored, but she knew people. She knew like the head judge of of the World Cup. So she wrote to him, Steve Brown, and Steve Brown sent me a, a letter. Might have been a letter back then. Maybe an email. Facts. <laughs> <Or> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was an email. And advised me to do World Cup because there was a clear pathway and World Cup prize money was equal. Um, entry didn't depend on who you knew. So, it depended on so equal, basically you doing, ticking the right boxes, getting the right points. Equal prize money back then. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty big deal, eh? Big deal, yeah. And then, so again, that's where my, I knew that was actually a feasible pathway. Mm. And so, yeah, I went overseas and, and that, um, so we'll go back to where I was um, with the Japanese snowboard sponsor. I... Uh, I got third in a World Cup in Whistler, up against some of the best best racers in the world. And um, so that gave me some cash, but also gave me cred and fist points right. early in the season. So I was like, cool, let's go. Went to Japan, competed in halfpipe and border cross, could, didn't seem to matter I was as good at either one then um I yeah I broke my ACL so that was right. like a major downer in my right at the beginning of my career yeah and I I just everything was like so I was so upset you know so how did it was that from a crash in the competition yeah actually it was I was in Korea and I had not eaten properly for about five days because I couldn't stop throwing up because I think I had food poisoning actually. Right. Yeah. So and I love the um, food in Japan and love the food in Korea, but I can't handle it. And so um, yeah, I could couldn't eat properly, and then um, bam, my ACL broke it. Oh. Yeah. So it was purely because I was um, not good, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, so it's a good lesson for mm. anyone out there. Don't push yourself when you know that you haven't had enough food or sleep or you're that's, a little bit under the weather, you've got a cold. That's how I did my ACL too. Right. Was, my head wasn't where it should have been. Yeah, 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 back. even mental yeah. health, eh? for sure. Mm. Yeah, actually, I always be real careful when I'm feeling a bit, bit melancholy. Yeah. So that was a good test on how much I really wanted to do. Mm. So... Snowboarding. I'm guessing surgery. Did you have to sit yeah. out of season for a while? Yeah. So I had two thousand off snow, and then which was the year your interview came out, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Right? Well, that's right, and so that's why this is a good one for anyone that gets hurt to to know that. Um, so it, I broke my ACL early two thousand, and I I was and I won a World Cup a year later. Right. So. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. I did not snowboard for a whole year, and I did uh, some study, polytech, worked in Wellington, but I trained big time, like, mm. and went to the gym, or you know, biked everywhere, and did a lot of 
uh, balance So what was stuff. the World Cup of, Cup event you came back to to win? To win, it was in, so it was in Japan, uh, Sapporo um, Resort called Makamane would be not somewhere you'd normally go, but they had border cross and a half pipe there. Right. Yeah, and the border cross was like a big important event on this on the circuit leading up to twenty no, two thousand and two Olympics. Yeah. But yeah, they um and it also put me in good stays financially because immediately I pretty much had twenty grand through some of the contracts I had with the Japanese sponsor. Right. And prize money. Awesome. And so that I invested into the next few years of, of round-the-world flights and managed to do that for like 10 years. So, yeah. so I mean, the, I think the thing, we'll just go back to that injury for a second. Right? Yeah. Because it feels like when you have to sit a season out, it's the biggest thing in the world. Like, oh, no, like, you know, but like, I guess in your example there, it's better to keep an eye on the big picture, like for what one's... What's one season when you've got this ahead of you? Yeah. Amy Bellin, are you listening? A friend of mine's going um, going under the knife for ACL surgery pretty soon. Yeah. So, well, yeah. My, I've, seen, I've heard so many people go back to snowboarding like three, four, five, six months after surgery. Mm. And I think it takes two years to get full recovery, even longer. But a, a year is probably still quite soon after that. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, friends of mine have had five ACL replacements. Mm. And I just don't want to be that person under the knife five times. Yeah. Touch wood. Uh, but I did actually s- spend a heck of a lot of time rehabbing. And I had a physio who taught me some stuff that I've always carried with me about... Um, you know, just one-legged squats, but not just using your quads, using your hamstring at the same time. Mm. So we practice that. It's called co-contraction of your of your thigh mm. muscles, and it actually takes years to to master. And so, being introduced to that at a young age has taught me how to oh, keep sweet. strong. And yeah. And so when you were doing these competitions... And handstands. Handstands. Are the other thing that you need to oh, right. do for your longevity. Long or something. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Um, so when you were doing these competitions, were you just doing this off your own back? This wasn't a New Zealand team thing or anything? No, like no. But there was a snow... So snow sports was two people back then. Oh, right. Yeah, an office in Wellington, and they managed all the skiers, all... Um, anyway, ice, ice sports... I don't think we had an ice hockey at the time. Uh, biathlon, maybe. Yeah, and so they were really helpful. Thanks, Miles and Sue. They were super supportive. They entered me in all my comps, and they even sourced some reimbursement grants for me after I'd like won some comps. So they were really stoked to see and New Zealand did do well. It didn't matter if they were ski and or snowboard, mm. but there were um, people in the industry that didn't really support me purely because I was a snowboarder and it wasn't a traditional sport. And in, at the time, it had only just started as an Olympic sport. Mm. So after the um, the win at the World Cup, that was I was the first New Zealander to 
to win a world cup on a snowboard that's that's a pretty big deal then yeah yeah it started to put the sport on the map people took it seriously like it was on Mm. the news and yeah people didn't really take the Halley Challenge that seriously. And yeah, I, mean, I don't blame them. It was the, completely If you're going to watch the Chinese chant down, you know, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So, yeah, the World Cup, no one can question that. It's FIS and, um, and it was good. So that um, put me on, on track to do lots of World Cups too. And so the oh, money so. factor is good. Um, it's also affordable to go to these events because you get accommodation you still pay but it's just discounted as well as it not being um bias 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 yeah but because i tried to enter numerous like back in the time there were um the it was ttr and then the isf international snowboard federation yeah couldn't couldn't get in the events how so just didn't know the right people well, right. so didn't have the right passport. Was that because New Zealand didn't just have the right on the map? Sort of thing, yeah, you know? didn't didn't have the right sponsors. Right, didn't know the right people. So, so um, I kind of felt like it was. I know it wasn't really that easy that those competitions, and also the woman didn't get prize money. At the so CTR. as much as I love snowboarding, I can if I found it really a little bit um, hard to love the International Snowboard Federation because. I couldn't become a part of it, even though yeah. I was a snowboarder. So I, I, feel, I felt a bit of a hypocrite by going down the Federation of International Skiing yeah. pathway, but it wasn't like. But they, they that, it was looked possible. after you better. Way better. So that's and, real interesting to hear because I didn't know this, right? Yeah. I, I always thought, like, ISF, oh, yeah, snowboarders, but. Yeah, well, from my experience was. There. Yeah, and I even got stepped out in, at hotels and stuff by hardcore. This is at a Burden Open. You're, you know, these two dudes, these two German dudes were like, I don't know how I ended up sharing an apartment with them, but they were like giving me shit about being writing FIS events. Right. Saying, oh, you're a fist rider. You know, we don't like want to hang out with you, basically. And it's just Jesus. like, man, you guys have no idea how hard I've worked to get here. Like, yeah. they don't. Like, you've seen me, Tony. Like, I've been down you know, gardening, cleaning toilets and doing stuff to mm. to make it happen. It's pretty hard to have a well, if those, those corporate guys. career when you're snowboarding. And, yeah. you know, I'm well, like happy to make sacrifices. So those guys are going to have that attitude. It's like, well, cough up with your wallet, homeboy. Yeah, like, that's, that's right. You know, yeah. Like, that's really cool to hear. I, yeah. I had no idea it was like that. but yes, It was today, a little bit like that. Yeah, and I couldn't. Yeah, so there was some cool guys, Don Brasenick was like the x games organizer he invited me to x games unfortunately i had dislocated my shoulder there like three months earlier so i couldn't Mm. go so i got invited but i couldn't couldn't go um yeah so you know things may have i put that you know would have it it had kind of relieved that that kind of prejudice attitude had gone a bit and things were getting better but i didn't get into that um, again by then so yeah i was focused on the olympics at that by that point so what olympics yeah. was this you were focusing on um mostly 2006 which was torino yeah um but prior to that i tried to get to the salt lake olympics in 2002 oh. and i had qualified um 
but we didn't I didn't know that I'd qualified till it was a little bit late so um, right. yeah come? well yeah you need to be in the top 30 I okay. was ranked 32nd oh, and fuck. then what happens is you've got but in that top 30 you might have seven American girls yeah and America can only send four girls for, for snowboarding and then even then America might only choose to send three girls for snowboarding because they want to use up their spots and other snowboard events. Right. So the max is four per nation. America might have even had eight that year in the top 30. Jesus. So you've got to take four girls out, mm. and then my ranking goes up. So I went down to, I think I was ranked about 26th even, 27th. Right. So I could have gone and, to those Olympics. And this was for half by Yeah. Sick. Bordercross wasn't in the games at that point. Right. No, it wasn't. And so, unfortunately, the the New Zealand Olympic Committee didn't have any snowboarders at the Olympics. But I think it also made people realise that they were dropping the eight ball there and that the sport, freestyle snowboarding was a thing. Mm. Prior to that, we'd only had alpine snowboarding at the Olympics. And Bell in 98. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess that just made me hungrier to get to an Olympics. Olympic Games and then so I qualified for uh, half pipe and border cross at the, for the next games so that was set for the next and four years you know that was what I was right, focused so on. What, what year did you qualify for then? Oh you don't actually officially qualify until, for about until the year before oh, right. but you what you your goal to do you see what people mm-hmm. how people like Christy Pryor missed out doing this waiting for the, the season of the Olympics right. to go and get your top two, top two, your two top ten results. Yeah. But you only, what if your couple comps get cancelled? You may only have four, five events to qualify with. Two of them get cancelled, you blow out in one of them, and then you don't get your two oh, top results. Right, so such results. a fine line, eh? Yeah, so you need to go back more like two years before the Olympics and start building up your ranking. Mm. And then if you're at a, you, yeah, the higher ranking you get, you sort of, and you also, you're in the zone. Like, mm. you're used to the tour. You so, can handle the stops. You're used to riding shit conditions because people that ride the same half pipe for the whole year and then try and compete and qualify at two events and they find themselves in a completely different half pipe yeah so you need to be kind of in versatile flexible and um you know used to it and so the kiwis are very resilient like that mm. we're used to traveling when we go overseas that's it all the euros you know they go overseas for a few months mm. and then they go home again yeah but we're there for six months so mm. yeah it's kind of makes us resilient and so who was were you the sole snowboarder, or was uh, there other snowboarders with you at this time for the Olympics? Not, not, not back in two thousand and two. I think maybe was there was there some riders back then lining the two thousand and two no. Olympics up as well, or just wasn't on anyone's radar? Well, there were a couple. Richie, Rich Hunt, was I think. But um, yeah, after that it was more the 
Mitch Brown and Kendall Brown were oh, right. definitely in the waiting, and they were just a bit young, I think. Mm. Yeah. Should right. we have a little break? We, we can do. Ready. All right, crew, we're back. And uh, where were we at, June? Well, I'd started doing my 10 years of World Cups and uh, the national team became a thing and uh, New Zealand like high performance sport came on board with realising that New Zealand had quite a lot of potential with snowboarding, especially freestyle, which mm. is cool because that's where my roots are. Uh, the sponsorship thing also changed for me. I Cosmic Surf basically was no more the economic situation in Japan was fizzling out. It had been on a high for years, so I was sort of at the tail end of that. And, uh, yeah, so I, I lost lost Cosmic Surf and picked up Burton. And so the guys in Burton, New Zealand, sponsored me. Was it, this was Guy Alte and... Yeah, Chris. Guy Alte. And um, funny enough, I'd bought my first snowboard from Guy when he was... Really? Yeah. Uh, when was this? Uh, in 92, when he was a shop boy at Cheapskates in Cuba Street. No way, yeah, he's a yeah. Wellington dude. Yeah, yeah. Shit. He's know, from Wellington. I know and nothing about guys. Actually, yeah. he's partly from Wellington. But anyway, right. he was there when I was there. And so I met him before I even snowboarded, funny right. enough. I was still skiing because I was like 14. So yeah. didn't really, I knew I wanted to snowboard. So I went on this snowboard trip to Oakuni and Guy was driving the bus. So that's the first time I met him. <laughs> Guy Elty, the bus driver. Yeah. Holy shit. Hop on, kids. Let's go. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so my first snowboard I bought secondhand from Cheap Skates. And Do you remember what it was? Yeah. Uh, it was a Burnier. So. Yeah. It was, it was one of the boards that, it was like the green one of this. Oh, the, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a classic sort of um, a good board. shape now. Fantastic board. I mm. think these boards would were would still be riding good today. Mm. Yeah. Oh, they bought the air back a few years ago, but it's, mm. sort of, it's still not in their lineup now. So, no. so you were just strictly a Burton rider for Burton New Zealand, not yeah. I think I might have been on a C team or something, but oh, um, right. guy guy cashed me up with some money, and so yeah, it was great. And thank mm. you. And heaps of great boards and been able to get two of the exact same boards, for example, so you can have backup at a comp if you... So... Yeah, it's quite good. Stuff like that you need to have sorted for events and... So you had a pretty comps. heavy team, Burton team at the time, right? It was like you, Dylan Butt, Tim Jackways, Denny Bevan... Yeah, we had a good team. The New um, Zealand team was amazing. And yeah. those guys are always like building backcountry jumps and doing really cool missions... And they could ride pipe, you know, they're just fun to hang out with and inspirational to watch, you know, and be around. First at McTwist. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a great style. Mm. Yeah, the guy's an inspiration to me. Yeah, Dylan. You got a Dylan Butt story for us and shit. Oh. Gnarliest thing you've seen Dylan Butt do on the snowboard? Uh, Fuck, where do you start? Yeah. I think some of his quarter pipe stuff was Mm. some of the most amazing. Um, watching him hit big 
backcountry jumps. Mm. Yeah, and just he's super centered eh, and lands everything like a cat. Mm. Yeah. Like that iconic uh, cover shot he got the same year of, as right. New Zealand snowboarder. Just yeah. Spent ages ringing out, where the fuck's he coming from? Where's he going to? Like, how? <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's one of the most fluid riders I've ever seen in the world. Mm. Yeah. And then you would have had a young Will Jackways on the team. Yeah, too the so time, Will right? and Tim Jackways were like little guys when I moved to Wanaka and yeah. we used to skate with them. And they're always at the skate ramps down by the back of the board shop, like Rion, Rion's shop, the board house, was like uh, basically our, you know, home safe, go home, stay home, you know. Yeah. Go back to the board shop. And the ramp out of the back was like three foot and vert. So <laughs> if anyone could skate, <laughs> yeah, yeah that I, one would show you how Diggs you couldn't and I, skate. Dix and I were talking about that, and I remember... It was an achievement to rock to fake here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I know, and then, in the so, extension. <laughs> well, it, it really makes Dean Hunt's blunt to fake on the extension bonkers. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. The, Apart from he's just a god on skateboard. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, no, the guy made it look really easy. So having people like that skating around, you just assume that's normal. Yeah. And so the Jackways brothers, they knew that it was it was special. Yeah. But it also was just normal for them. Yeah. And the kids are just super gracious and, yeah, love the Jackways family. Mm. So watching those two and seeing seeing Will now in Japan and doing all like this business and stuff. Guiding and, the best in the world. Yeah. And it's just cool and have his family and, and how they farewelled their sister. Mm-hmm. When she passed away, it was, yeah. they're just awesome. Yeah, the, the best people, like like mm. kind of Wilfer Mayor of Wanaka. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be sick. Blue. You know how, how <laughs> it should be. Actually, I wonder if he would get into politics. <laughs> His dad would be able to give him some tips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His dad. I mean, the the whole family, though, right? Parents, right down to their kids, just all yeah. legends. Eh? Yeah, and um. And then we got two future Jackways legends coming yeah. up now. Well, actually more. I think Tim's kids are starting to write yeah, snowboards yeah. too. But I think there's um, something really special about Wanaka back in those days. I I wanted to talk to you about the you know back in the day or those mm. days or yeah, because it it was really special and um, there was quite a tight community. Also the um, Cedar Wills and the the Wills yeah. family. And, and um, Sharon, Cedar and, Je- and Makunda's mum hmm. used to look after us and we'd visit her and she'd listen and not judge us. And we had like quite a lot of sort of resistance in town being hmm. like snowboard rebels. Hmm. Um, and I do feel a little bit responsible for flying the flag and for Wanaka and all the tourists coming and I don't know if that was a good thing now or not but <laughs> since COVID it's all mellowed out we're yeah. back to the good old days yeah Wanaka's kind of um, went out of control there for a while eh? yeah and, and you know what I really all liked meanies. this year up the mountain was watching all the Kiwi kids ride you know, all the young up and coming like already up there mm. athletes that are training up at Kadrona and TC there, I noticed there's a new style coming 
coming uh, back to no, no um, way out. <laughs> <laughs> coming. I just realised you. Um, yeah, they, they were creating their own style this year again, mm. and so I want to see that with the Kiwis because <clears throat> too much overseas influence, too much time in in Breck and Ridge, for example. So, Everyone looks like they're riding the same. So, do you reckon that's doing... actually good? You brought that up because I was talking to someone about this, and it kind of feels like the internet's killed the scenes. Like, originality. Like, remember the time we were talking about, like the nineties. Like New Zealand snowboarder was the bible for like yeah a lot of us. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it showcased New Zealand snowboarding. So like I was looking through it and like Ollie Brunton, Paul Trapsky, Tony Walston, you all of you guys. It was just like, well, this is like mm. they're, they're on, this is the same level to me as like Jamie Lynn and Ranquit and Terrier and all the international yeah, yeah, I yeah. Up to. Whereas, Doing the same. whereas now that that doesn't exist and everyone's following social media, True. it's like, why would I follow this when I can follow Jamie Anderson or Danny Davis? Yeah, and, good point. And so like, it's very competitive with your social media, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and and like you say, like everyone just starts to lose the same. And, yeah, yeah, lose their know. own uniqueness. And I did totally notice that because I I coach up up the mountain and mm. I coach the the little kids that potentially become these development team kids or whatever mm. yeah uh there's a really cool vibe this season mm. with so in that group who, who camaraderie writers you were watching were you like well tian collins zoe mm. um we got we're gonna give a special cool wakashima she's oh, doing she really well the greatest fucking name right there <laughs> like totally, totally like it's pretty cute like, what was she's it she cute. did like a she was doing like 180 Switch fifty fifties to like wildcat soft or some shit. On, on, yeah, on yeah, some yeah. Down features, just like yeah. Just fucking bonkers. Yeah. We we gotta give a special fucking what's up to Zoe because she's just been yeah, yeah. amazing. It. And like with the best fucking style. Yeah. Out there, like, so I, I really hope Zoe. This will probably come out way after natural selection, but we fucking hope that you get it because. You're the best, man. Yeah. Like, and believe just, in you. Woohoo. Just so believe in you. And, and, and Zoe, like, switch back once, scare the piss out of me two inches off the ground. So, launching off that TC Rocks, fucking psycho. Yeah, I can <laughs> do them two inches off the ground without being scared, but mm. definitely that rock. <laughs> I love, I love, um, no, you're really stomping at your shit in the switch backside nines. Love oh, it, man. love it, love it. Could it could it have been done any better? I don't think so. No, like it's fucking yeah. Shit. Speaking of that, remember when like nines were like the bastion of like international pros? And, yeah, and now like kids fucking do them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I remember watching like ninety five, well, like yeah, no. Jamie Lynn in the Vulcan video doing in cab nine, and saying to my brother, "That's the most you can ever spin on a snowboard." Yeah, you know? right. Like, Holy yeah. shit! How wrong I was. <laughs> I like, know. So um, what's it? Up to now, 1800s, oh, I, 14, to be honest, 40 I'm not, is it? To be honest, I'm not bothered. Like, I just yeah. can't keep up. I think up. 14, like, 40 is quite a standard. And, um, and people are chucking doubles and shit in that yeah. thing now, which is just gnarly. Like, um, <clears throat> speaking of, we're sort of heading back towards the competition thing. Um, so you were competing in halfpipe for a while, and you were teammates with Kendall and Mitchell Brown. Yeah. Were you there? At um, hope you could shed some light on this because I heard about Kendall Brown completing her Olympic halfpipe run with a dislocated shoulder. 
Which, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, like, yeah. Kendall seemed to have quite a few injuries. She's tiny. Mm. And she's she defeats what how I don't know. Yeah. She's she's teeny. And she has had eleven broken wrists through her career. So she'll break a wrist. She's just like, meh. Broken wrist, just keep training, don't worry. And so yeah, I think the shoulder thing was getting a bit ridiculous and um it would pop out like, like eating dinner kind of thing, you know. Hell. Yeah. Like, so yeah, me and her became really close. She was about she's about fourteen years younger than I. Mm. Yeah, so she was literally reaching, you know, hitting puberty when I was thirty, and yeah. we were travelling together. So I kind of was like almost like a mum to her. Yeah, yeah. But she already had her brother Mitch Brown, so mm. he made sure that she's all right. And they are such a cool brother and sister team. Yeah. They always look out for each other. Eh? It's like they talk to each other without having to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just really in, a, in sync. I mean, that's nuts to have your shoulder pop out mid half pipe run in, yeah. a, in a 22 foot super pipe. Like. Yeah. See, that's the thing, eh? Like, and, and it's one thing for a strong adult like myself to be dealing with those pressures, but you're talking like 15 year old tiny, like her nickname is Noodle. Mm. And so she she's amazing. Like, she, her backside five is still one of the best backside fives that any chick's ever done. Like, mm. she won these comps just backside fives, way out of the pipe. Yeah, yeah, and, and so, yeah, pretty pretty classic yeah. girl. And so, <laughs> uh, obviously, her older brother Mitch was a um, dominating competitive force back then, and he's yeah, it's pretty been pretty interesting and cool to watch him come through as like a Grom sponsored to coach like mega coach now really yeah like, and I reckon this is probably where he was meant to be mm. because he's such a caring person and he doesn't really take any shit from people but it's it, not like he it takes him a long time to figure that out he mm. knows you know and he early on back it with his writing too eh? yeah. yeah and so when he's writing last season up Katrona I'm like Who's that? Who's that? Ah, oh, it's Mitch. It's Mitch. Like, mm. he's as styly as ever, if not mm. more styly. His, his, his injuries have really plagued him too. Yeah. Like, he has nerve, major nerve damage to one of his arms. Yeah. Like, he could have competed potentially in the para, para games. Yeah. Because of his injury. Holy shit. Yeah. And he was competing in the Olympic yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, he had pretty much no use of one of his arms. Fucking hell. Yeah, he doesn't probably talk about that much, but... I mean, he's a pretty humble, mellow guy when it comes to that sort of he's thing. He's very but, much so. But, like, yeah. I mean, I think... Like, he, I mean, he's coaching Zoe now. It's like, you probably couldn't have a better person. And, and there it is. Like, yeah. she's killing it. And it's like, well, surely... Yeah. Surely, I'd like to think Mitch is. I mean, obviously, takes nothing away from Zoe. She's like an extremely talented, gifted snowboarder with a strong work ethic. But surely, Mitch has got to be something that helps facilitate. Yeah. That. Like. So perfect coach for Zoe, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and with um, his experience having a younger sister, like was, when when his mum asked me to. Uh, whether or not they should get Mitch as the coach, 
like they didn't have a lot of options mm. being from New Zealand there's not a lot of snowboard coaches but there's enough yeah they were asking me what they thought what I thought of Mitch as a coach and I was just so stoked to hear that, that he was an option mm. and this is for Zoe is it this is for Zoe yeah, yeah, yeah to become a coach for her and this was Zoe's mum asking me and I was like yeah Mitch would be really caring when you're on World Cup you know as a woman or as a girl because Zoe's still young when she started um the it's a male dominated world yeah and if you've got a coach who's not got your best interests at heart then you are vulnerable and Mm. it's also tough because you don't get the same support you know you're surrounded in dudes you try you go to the team captain meeting you try and put your hand up and talk and you're the only girl in the room that's quite hard yeah so it's it drains your energy when you are in a situation like that and Mm. then you're supposed to go compete the next day it can be you've already you know lost your mojo yeah so Mitch is going to look out for her yeah and make sure that she doesn't need to be bothered by that stuff and get sidetracked because that's what happened to me (laughs) oh really I think so like towards my second Olympics I was definitely um out of my comfort zone I was traveling with a team that like I said was 15 years younger than me Mm. and I didn't feel safe like right. you know emotionally yeah yeah so and by the time i got to vancouver in 2010 i was pretty burnt out mm. and my performance was shit like my performance was not as and good were you competing in pipe and just pipe just, by just that pipe. time yeah um well that's uh, yeah but i totally get it was kind of burnt that, out that was the olympics you were the flag bearer yeah was yeah it, that was like, fuck, how was that? Like, well, that was pretty rewarding and exciting. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I remember seeing that and being like, fuck yes, because Drew <laughs> has earned that. Yeah. You know, like, that's been earned to do yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that I was... felt like it was well-deserved. Yeah, it was a real honour. And mm. I tell you what, I felt very... Uh, it was a very spiritual feeling being wrapped in the cloak. Yeah. And wearing the um, Panamu, yeah. that is just set aside for those occasions. Yeah. And otherwise it set, is, lives in a cabinet. So, yeah, it was very so proud moment. And, yeah, yeah I hope that and, and no I wanted take, to wave the flag heaps yeah. when I was, like, walking around the stadium. And no one can take that away, man. That's <laughs> yeah. fucking rad. So was that sort of the tail end of your competitive... Yeah, pretty much. I did a few more events after that, Mm. and I think I was burnt out, and I needed to have a decent break. I wasn't burnt out from actually snowboarding, but just just traveling. Politics and stuff. Politics, yeah. Mm. Um, And, yeah, just pressure to compete and perform and do, like, new tricks and actually having a bit of fear build up. Yeah. Partly, pro- probably because of my age. Like so, I was thirty-four so, when I went to my second Olympics. So there's like this kind of underlying. So like, oh shit! The going, new generation is coming, and they're fucking crazy. It was, or? it was more. I was scared of hurting myself. I'd have yeah. flashbacks of crashes. I would be holding myself back a little bit to protect myself and yeah. 
when you are at the Olympics, you need to not have that attitude. You need to be like, right, I'm, I'm going to give it everything. Yeah. And so after, I think yeah, I'd had a few concussions and I'd had quite a few crashes. I'd had a dislocated shoulder and broken thumb. And the, um, so the equation in, that I couldn't get rid of in my head was that that equals pain kind of yeah. thing. So it was sort of building up and, and I couldn't break out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's not uncommon, but it's just hard when you, you can't break out of it and you need to have a break. And when you can't have a break, you kind of get stuck in that pattern. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, back off, go ride some powder for a bit. Yeah. And see where you're at. Oh, I've got a question from um, Amy Bella. Who's, oh, yeah. Uh, who uh, she runs the quest shop over in Queenstown, yeah, yeah, and she's yeah. uh, sort of trying to well nurturing the scene over there. Cool. Um, so Amy would like to ask you uh, about the Cadrona competition coaching training scene back in the two thousands. What made it so epic? Cool. So back then we had Pete, Pete coaching. Pete. Pete was free ski coach. All right. And he was coaching the Wells. Mm-hmm. And we had, like, Bruce Wells as ski patrol. And there was Tom Wilmot, and he was, like, we got to get some snowboarding, you know, to match this with yeah. freestyle because snowboarding is freestyle. So we created – he created the Southern Alps snowboard team. And we had really a positive, fun goal, like, fun yeah. – that was our main goal to have fun with the kids. Yeah. And we did. And it we had Mitch and Kendall training with us. So we had like quite a few good kids that were like into it. Mm. And their parents were into it. There was a diff- there was less competition pressure. Mm. The le- the pathway hadn't been created, so that perhaps made for a more fun environment. So was this not so many expectations? The precursor to like the HPC yeah. and all that sort yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so Pete still runs that and he's still got the same philosophy and I believe in it. So what was that philosophy? That's about fun. Yeah. 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 Like and if you're not enjoying yourself then Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that you wanna be like looking after one another and Yeah. Doing just like building little jumps. It doesn't have to be like the big crazy stuff every day. And that's how yeah. you create stuff. Yeah. That's how things are created. That's sweet. And so that's that came back a bit this year, I felt. Yeah. Partly because it was back to just the core Kiwis. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, I guess like it probably gave, well, the whole world got a chance to breathe really again. But yeah. Maybe the comp- competitive scene. For sure. Them. We didn't have to wait for mm. like 25 people to go before and, you can hit a jump. And so um, if I've got this right, you're still coaching snowboarding now? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are you coaching? Since? So I had, what was it, 2010, did the Olympics, and then I had a baby, and then I started coaching again in 2013. And for the last five, six years, I've been coaching the pretty much park squad okay this is the Cadrona team and they are the younger kids that I coach way prefer to 
to coach the younger kids because I don't have to hit the big, big jumps yeah, then because yeah, yeah. all the other kids are hitting the massive jumps. Mm. And they're really fun. Um, yeah, so I do like 35 days a year coaching, which adds up when your season's only 60 days long. Yeah. And the main thing, well, so we do a bit of free riding as well. Like we try mm. and like Saturdays is usually free ride day. And do you guys got TC for that? Or is now we can, since Cadrona has bought TC. Mm. And for me, that is just the best, one of the best things that's happened Pretty in rare. the last 25 years. To have for snow sports. two mountains on that pasture. Yeah. Like, like we always like, oh, imagine if the imagine mountain never happened, yeah. you know. And yeah. Here we are. And so here we are, and Cadrona are really keen mm. to get more training going on at TC. So, so. hopefully I'm going to do some free ride me. TC like free fr- snowboard free ride, which is exact. I mean, I could not ask for a more more of a dream job. Yeah, yeah. Like, co- coaching free riding. Yeah, and um, also border cross. They're they're talking about getting a border cross course back, so. and hopefully a border cross series. Feedback on this would be really good to any listeners. If you want to do like fun border cross team racing, yeah. Um, need to get the ball rolling. Speaking of TC, there is an event I'd like to ask you about. Yeah. TC Bank Slalom. Oh, yeah. Did you win this this year? Yeah, I won that this was, year. Was that the first time you were... Well, I don't know. I think so. Maybe the first time I've won it. Right. Because um, have you ridden that? Because it's a pretty iconic event. Yeah. Spy was saying it's been going since like 88 or something. Right. I probably have done and, it before then. Because... Um, it got a bit of momentum a few years ago but I was always working on those days so I mm. never got there and I kind of just didn't really want to compete because I was over competing but yeah yeah should have probably and um yeah because like I remember um, uh Tasmanian Amber would um Amber Schwecker would uh dominate that one yes well she had a period where she seemed to win yeah she's amazing that girl is such a good snowboarder she's an amazing athlete I've been in touch with her a lot lately actually we're good friends and uh, I've got her board. I've got her split board. So, ah, sweet. Yeah, so, that's good. Go I need a split board. So. <laughs> going out the back a bit more and stuff. Um, yeah. And there She's was something funny. I think we mentioned. We're going to go on a bit of a sidetrack now. Um, it was mentioned when we had our, our break. Um, the FIS oh, yeah. Sleep Voted. Could you enlighten so, us on that? When I was competing a lot in the FIS tour i was uh voted on as the athlete representative by the other athletes they voted for me to represent them as a fis at the fis meetings and so we'd monthly have meetings with other athletes from other sports ski racing bobsled uh speed skating uh this like ski flying yep. representative so all of the sports for the olympics right had a representative yep. and me and this guy were uh snowboard so we were meeting with like four of the top ski racers like alpine skiers and we're suggesting like better protocols for events and how to improve judging safety so I was suggesting safety measures for men's downhill skiing, for right. example. And so, so 
were they? Did they have their nose out of joint about a snowboarder talking about safety? Was no, like, they didn't because I came up with some good ideas, and Killian, the, one of the ski racers, loved it. I said because they were having issues with people dying. Like right. it wasn't just like, oh, you know, we don't want to have to turn up at six thirty. No, people are dying, and same in border cross. People died, and I I experienced it. That was partly where the fear came from. To right, so were you at events where people? Yeah, yeah. Holy my shit. a girl Lena died in Chile when I was competing. Holy I actually shit. didn't see it. I looked away, and I my other the other girls who I was standing next to, and this was just in training. We all went, oh, and I was like, what? And they're like, oh, Lena just crashed, and she died. Holy fuck. Yeah. And That's... so three people have died in border cross. Whoa. Yeah. So I, the fear was real. That, man, that shit ain't no joke. Yeah. That's fucking fear enough. Yeah, Holy dude. Shit. I know. It's quite dangerous, border well, cross. I mean, yeah. You, you, you hear these things, but to actually hear that, it's like, whoa. That's... Yeah. Yeah, so... no, there was some horrific ones. There was um, a couple in America... A Swedish guy died, and it was um, quite weird because there was a course builder. He would build the Mount Hood course. I, I don't know exactly, but honestly, the courses were just horrific. They were out to get you, and so two people died on courses that this one person had built, and they were notorious for being so dangerous. was it a writer error, or was it the course was gone? Well, that's the... I'm not going to say writer oh, right. error, I suppose, but... Um, I've written, I I had a major injury on one of his courses too, and I'd never seen anything like it. It was just like, whoa, what, what is this? This is like just so, like three whoop-de-doobs, but not curving whoop-de-doos, not rolling whoop-de-doos, but ones with little peaks on them. Right. So if you were going to clear the three of them, or if you didn't clear, if you didn't clear the two or the three and you land on the top, you just get like, popped uh, yeah right so, yeah so, i don't know is it just it was controversial and he they they fired him anyway mm. that was grand prix and, and the, the advisory board the athlete rep that i was i was for four years flying around the world to meet with these other athletes and then go to the conferences yep. the congresses the fist congresses meet with the judges and that was really constructive got a lot of time with like snowboard panel mm. Ola Sunquest he's like he judge for snowboarding and he's established a lot of the he's he's pretty much the guy that's written all the judging systems mm. his systems are in place and yeah it's cool they'd ask me to get advice of what the athletes thought and the athletes would give me their ideas and then I'd pass them on to the to the officials, and we yeah we put in place a safety measure for alpine men's downhill, which I just thought was amazing because these guys are travelling at like 150 k's down the hill. Yeah. They were able to fill in a form to give to the organising committee, mm. but if they did it the night before, for example, this piece of paper was made official that the course wasn't safe. So it gave we we tried to get a voice because it is a bit of a political system, mm. the FIS. Yeah, and so 
um, backtrack a second there. Like, so you were com- with your competition days. You were traveling. You were traveling and competing against teams that were sort of better funded, better equipped. Would I be right with that assumption? Like, yeah, not all so, of them, but for sure there was so the dominating how, teams. How was that being sort of like an underdog going against all this other infrastructure? Yeah, sort of thing? not a problem for New Zealanders. Really? Just, just like we just don't, unless you're all black, I guess. Mm. It's the same as life, normal life. That's mm. how we feel, I guess, being in this position on the earth in a small country with a small population. Mm. And then, so that didn't bother me. I kind of find that empowering. I think personally, I'd prefer to be the underdog than to be in the limelight and have yes. all that pressure. Like I would, like be Lindsay Jacobellis doing the method in the in the Olympics. So what happened there? Well, she was winning clearly and she's coming over the last three jumps and she decides to pull a bit of a move do a method method. on that last jump and and then crashes oh shit and loses the medal so she robbed herself of the gold medal yeah but fuck yeah yeah. she'll never live that down but the thing is she has such a good ego that she can handle it. Yeah, right. Yeah, because especially like they they love their champions and they love to um, yeah ostracize people as well. Mm. Well, mm. I mean they, you mm. know. Mm. So, oh man, I can't even imagine like having it in the bag, chuck, chucking the mess. Yeah, as, as every self-respecting snowboarder should do when they come up to <laughs> yeah, that kicks you up, it's like chuck a mess and uh. where, you, where you go, like. Yeah, I saw it with my own eyes, eh? Oh, man. Yeah, and she did the method, and we were like, oh, my God, she's doing a method. And then it was like, oh, my God, she crashed. Oh, man. You know, she's probably landed a thousand methods or whatever. She's an amazing snowboarder. Actually, Lindsay, she's a good lady. She helped me. I did an ad with her, actually, a a Kellogg's ad. Mm. Yeah, and that was a great pay, you know, good pay. You get paid every time it gets shown. It's an American mm. ad. You probably... Yeah, Sam Smoothie's on Kellogg's. Sponsored by Kellogg's oh, now. Right. Fuck, yeah. Sam Smoothie's a whole fucking level of nah that's just what the fuck, eh? Like, um, Absolutely. I think like, like him and Will Jackways just operate on that whole other level. Yeah. It's like, how is that even... Yeah, when they go like, down the mountain, it's just like they're walking down a day. Yeah. Like, and Although, did you see that footage of Sam just kind of come over? He's like riding some rock face and he gets it a little bit wrong. No. And he comes over into this mini kuwa and he's like, honestly, the death hole of <laughs> rocks and ice for about 100 metres of just literally teeth. Mm. And then this little kuwa and he gets it wrong and he comes out of the kuwa and he... He knows that if he, he has to go that way, even mm. if he's falling, he has to go that way because yeah. he even there's nothing, no nothing that way. Yeah. And he comes off and it falls down the rocks. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, and like gets really hurt. It's so full on, and then he's like, in the helicopter him out, and he's fine after twelve hours. Fuck, he's just yeah a tough motherfucker. Mm. Um, I remember, <laughs> remember when um. It must have been about 2014 or something. He won this 
free ride world tour event in Europe somewhere. Which yeah, there's this line that's like, oh, how do you even fucking see like, a line down there? And <laughs> like this, and then off. Yeah, and mid to mid carve. And you're watching this dude. <laughs> you where the fuck is this dude going? And I remember um, Dion Newport, who's the head judge for yeah, all that Dion. stuff. Uh, saying, oh yeah, I mean, that was pretty crazy, but I've seen him do way crazier shit at TZ Closing Day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you can always count on Dion to keep it real. Like, yeah, I true. mean, those guys are fucking bonkers on Closing Day. I don't, yeah. don't even uh-huh. know if they're actually on the snow. Like, <laughs> just tussock skiing and shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think oh. he'd be one of my favourite skiers. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah. 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 Like, I Absolutely. mean, and, and and Sam Smoothie is also a man of my own heart. He's a big Motorhead fan, so like, yeah, ah, dude, what's yeah, up? Okay, Sam, now I know you, something else. If you ever listen to this, Sam, like, <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. And <laughs> cool. um, fuck, who's that girl, Jess Hodder? Oh, she's yeah, fucking gnarly too. Yeah, like, she's one of the best in the world right now. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. And like, she skis up at TC too. Yeah, like TC yeah. Patroller. Yeah. And it's like, fuck. I know. That, that, I mean, That's what shit. I loved about this season. It's like, well, this is it. Like, right like, here. We don't need... Like, before she became this... Pro... This... Big mountain. You know, phenom- phenomenon. Uh, a guy that worked for me was her flatmate, like, 2018. Mm-hmm. It's like... Oh, yeah, she's really good. It's like, oh, cool. Like, you know, like, I'm a cook, so everyone's really good. You know? Yeah, right. And then suddenly it's like this name. It's like, fuck, that's the same girl. And it's like watching her Instagram. It's like, holy oh, fuck. I should follow like, her. Yeah. Mm. And like, I don't know, like every post was like, she was like destroying shit. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's so fucking sick. Yeah. I don't know if Jess Hotter would ever listen to this, but fuck, what's up, Jess? She probably, could, she probably will. Keep, keep killing it. <laughs> Sam, Sam's done a few podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I've yeah, I've heard them both on Nathan Seddon's Windhold podcast. Oh okay, and um, that was kind of the inspiration behind this happening. Okay, Windhold, like, Windhold, Windhold, which is yes. fucking awesome. Man. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. I've been listening to Wild Podcast, which is good. Mm. Um, talking about what you know, podcasts. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Sam did a uh, podcast with them, mm. and Lydia Bradley, the mountain climber lady. From how we're flat, oh, she's sad. like first woman to summit Everest under no without oxygen. Holy shit! Yeah, she's ledge. Like hell. I'm a big fat. When you were in Japan, was that for competitions or were you riding? For riding yourself? both, always both. I mean, I don't know. The competition thing just was a way for me to express myself, test myself. I like to measure myself, but yeah. I, I don't actually want to beat anyone in particular. I just want to like, yeah. I'm not like nasty competitive, but I am. I do love competition. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, the seasons overseas in Canada and Japan mainly were um, standout. But then there was also so stand so standout in terms of the terrain in Canada, yeah. like Fernie, oh, kicking, kicking horse, both epic. both mountains. Incredible mountain. So, yeah, yeah, Red Mountain and Whistler. I love Whistler. I can't 
deny it. I love it. I know it's so commercial, but the terrain there is when we sensational. Were, when we were at Whistler, was that the same uh, time? Early that? years, 99, um, 2000, 2005. So was that kind of when, like, Denny Bevan and Dylan Butler? Yeah, were when there. Denny lived so you, there. So were you riding with those yeah. guys? Yeah, so I used to ride with Dylan at Whistler early. Holy shit. Like, back in the day. Um, Denny was more busy, but, yeah, ride with Dylan. He showed me some good lines. Yeah. A lot of my time overseas was self-exploring. Yeah. I loved it. Like, I'd show up at a mountain that I was going to compete at. I'd never been there, never heard of it. And I'd be like, well, it's icy, semi-flat light. I'm going to ride every run on the mountain. And come back, you know, five, six yeah. hours later and have ridden every mount- run on the mountain, even though it was the worst conditions you'd possibly imagine. But it's so, like, liberating because I'm... No one knows where I am. I'm, just, you know, I'm just it's on, just me exploring the world, doing your own thing. Yeah, so that was that was a really amazing part of being a snowboarder mm. around the world. I wasn't so into like finding the coolest crew in every town. Mm. I was more into like soul searching. I'd hook up with crazy like excellent skiers usually because I found the skiers had better lines. Um, when you you know when you're talking bumping into crazy you know just crazy random people on the just hill like locals though, yeah or locals sort of thing. yeah sometimes those crazy random skier dudes are the best mm. and they'll look out for you if you go bear country as well you know yeah they, they'll they, sort of they just kind of you just know what they're, they're they're not gonna well you know that they're not gonna leave you because you probably wouldn't have hooked up with them and. And, and they're that kind of person. And they've kind of got their shit together with the mountain safety. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And they're a bit quirky. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like those sorts of people. <laughs> most most <laughs> permanent residents of mountains now have become yeah. a, a bit quirky after a while. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> well, I think we need to probably address, like, snow park and that sort of oh, thing. Oh, yes, yeah, snow park. Really, awesome. Like, like, how big a deal that was to... Um, like before Snow yeah, Park? Yeah, definitely of. the momentum was already happening before Snow Park mm. arrived or, or started. But it, it um, really made it, like, because Kadrona had a pretty good thing going. Yeah. Snow Park come along with a better thing. Yeah. And then, and then both mountains seemed to be, like, leapfrogging each other yeah, so for a while there. Right? Absolutely, yeah, it's really good for Kadrona and mm. really progressive for the sport. I think Mal, John Val, Malva, who... John Melville, who builds the halfpipes at Cadrona and has for, mm. and it was the innovator of the machinery to build them. Global cutter, right? He built it. He yeah, built his yeah. own global cutter. Yeah, yeah, and invented some parts to to move the snow and cut the shape of the pipe, as mm. well as his skills in the machine. Yeah, and his time and commitment, and his just his you know it's, physical his brain. Is awesome and Cadrona's willingness to do it. I th- I kind of sometimes think that that it possibly would have happened even if the snow park didn't come along. But the snow park was just so at the right timing. The culture yeah. was so into it. Yeah, and it was just wild. It really was. Mm. Like I mean, it was so wild. Those cars going off the same jump as the snowboarders certain block, days. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like what the heck. And, and then some of those after parties were the pretty The parties and the music yeah. on the balcony was sensational. Mm. Um, and the, the ski patrol. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> looking after everyone that has come a cropper. Yeah, I heard stories about like um, people that go to like the billabong after party and then wake up and patrol with IV drip into them and shit. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fuck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. sounds like particularly during the night south parties as mm, well. This is true. They may, they may, see, that's the thing. The snow park, the staff, as much as I love them and they're my friends, they used to go to Queenstown wearing their staff T-shirts oh, and yeah. making a complete, you know, shambles on the street. Like, oh, just completely wasted. Yeah, shit. completely <laughs> wasted. <laughs> like, the Cadrona staff would have done the same thing. They just would have taken their T-shirts off first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Just, yeah, they just had a, one more brain cell mm, working. But uh, <laughs> still a talented bunch of crew like I mean even the early days you had like uh, Matt White and oh, Frank yeah. Wells cutting Dogger. and Woo. you know and, and people don't probably realise how much that like Dogger and those guys actually like yeah. helped nurture the park culture in New Zealand snowboarding and stuff yeah and yeah that's I'm hoping right. that Dogger will come on and have a yarn at some point mm. so but yeah yeah definitely and and so yeah. did you have any personal highlights of your time at snow park did, did oh you, the quarter you... pipes i love that quarter pipe mm. really good and the the jump line in the pipe all oh, like that pipe was as good as it gets yeah yeah and frank wells cut every yeah. day sort of thing but yeah i remember that quarter being very iconic and like the burton open that have the competition yeah. That would wrap up the Burton Open on there. and But I also remember that step up beside it was so sick. Yeah, like, the step up. You'd almost Super. have to bomb half the run to get to it, but then <laughs> it would always just be like... Be worth it. It would put you in the sweet spot every time. Like, don't worry, homie, I got you. Yeah. Then, oh, yeah. Maybe I and landed on just my like, back no. in the sweet spot, but I was in the sweet spot. <laughs> no impact, yeah. Yeah, man. Was... Yeah, no, the snow park, I mean, that put New Zealand on the map properly, I yeah. think. But I do think that New Zealand would have got itself on the map, even mm. without the snow park, personally. I think it was already, the ball was already ro- rolling, you know, like... Yeah. I was travelling overseas, no one had heard of Cadrona. Yeah. Wanaka, what? Cardona, yeah. what? And I was like, nah. And then five, ten years later, you know, you've seen Cadrona stickers overseas. Mm. Or, you, you know, people are like... So, oh my god, I'm coming to Cadrona next season. And it's like, well, the last time I came here, no one had even heard of it. Now your people this are coming. Due so. to the snow park explosion, I, I think or? it was not just the snow park thing. Yeah. Personally, I think it was already the ball was already rolling with what Cadrona was doing, mm. and snow park definitely helped. And it was mm. also with the timing was perfect. Because you remember, like in the '90s at Cadrona, you'd always have the army of Japanese pipe riders. Yeah. And like you'd have the three pipes, and they were like yeah stacked with japanese totally even on a powder day which was fucking great it's like you guys ride the pipe yeah yeah I'm fucking going we'll over see there. you at one o'clock yeah. yeah so that was a huge bonus for our industry as well eh? Mm. the that that was what we were riding on with my sponsorship with cosmic surf was the economy had just pumped everyone up over in japan like apparently the house prices dropped by like 75 percent Right. Over three years. Like, in 1990, Jesus. they were worth so much. And then by 95, uh, everyone had lost their money. 
that's why that happened with the Japanese, and now we don't see, you know, yeah, very yeah. many Japanese people. So you think like they were seeing like you and on Cosmic Surf be like, fuck, I've got to go to New Zealand then. Like, yeah. Sick. Yeah, totally. Like, well, I mean, tourism in New Zealand should probably... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that, I, I do feel semi-responsible for that. Mm. Like, I remember being in Spain and just telling everybody about how wonderful Wanaka was. Mm. Just raving. <laughs> and, that, oh, you can, you know, well, in America, oh, you have snow in, Amer- in New Zealand? Yeah. <laughs> you can show them photos and they're like, oh, okay, well, we're coming. Mm. Or, you know, you'd meet some American kids on the chairlift in Breckenridge and, and they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard you've got snow in New Zealand. Mm. And then a year or two later, that they're all here. Yeah. You know, it's got to yeah. be. Because I mean, we've always had that sort of yearly influx of, like, pros passing through even back in the yeah. early 90s and stuff. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. People knew about it. Mm. But I guess more the yeah, public. But now it just got to it got to the point, don't you think, where Wanaka was like so busy, well, it couldn't even breathe. It's bizarre, right? Because well, I I did my first season in Wanaka in '99, mm. and it's a way different town what I moved to. Like, um, so yeah. it was really bizarre to see things like a couple of, a year or so ago that John Oliver comedian did a uh, tour of New Zealand. Yeah. And they did a rugby skit, and they could have picked any rugby field in the country, and they picked Wanaka. And it's like, right. what? Like, so, you know, like, when I moved to Wanaka, it was one of those things that, like, it was normally followed up with, what the hell would you go to Wanaka? Why don't you go yeah. to Queenstown? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, well, I don't know, I've got a job at Cadrona, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, then, <laughs> and then, so suddenly, out of nowhere, from, like, 2015 onwards, it feels like, it just became suddenly, like this rich desirable place like, mm. well this was like you know but I, I guess it's like a give and a take right I now have a year round job in some sort of security with that as opposed to I didn't couldn't sustain a year round job when I first moved here there wasn't there yeah was yeah any. that's and right so, yeah I used to go back to Wellington and so I guess it's a summer. give and a take I don't think I'm qualified to really know know all the things to have a strong opinion on it but it is one of those things where you sort of pinch yourself and you're like holy fuck like a bunch of the crew I used to work with yeah. in the early 2000s at Cadrona they always on Facebook oh I'd love to come back to Wanaka it's like man you guys would probably have a heart attack like mm. Mount you know like Albertown and Wanaka kind of are the same thing yeah. like I remember my first year like I was I was sober driving the um the crew after the last party and we dropped this um lifty off up top of anderson road there and the house is still there but it's surrounded by houses now but yeah it was like fucking i think it wasn't even paved and he was like oh it was just above where action automotive used to be and i remember being like he's got out of van he's like oh thanks for the lift i was like oh bro fair enough because fuck walking up this far <laughs> and, and now and now with, like some tar seals, some houses, and some lights, you it's, fucking wouldn't even think twice about walking it. Yeah, fucking yeah, bonkers. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly. And I don't know. I mean, I remember getting lost. Like, like I thought I was still in the country, and I when I first moved here, and I was like, mm. oh no, I just missed town. Like all the lights <laughs> were just out. Like there was, like the town was just shut down. That's mm. all. And like, like the last shop was the BP, and yeah. that closed at five thirty, maybe six. And you'd have penguins and, across the road. 
Yeah. Penguins takeaways. Oh, I loved penguins. And uh, the Tuatara pizzeria, that was sick. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Dude, that was a proper, like, sanctuary, that place. Mm. So, yes, Tuatara's. Because didn't Dino work in there a bunch? He did. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And Hayley. And the the shredding crew coming through sort of were, like, go see Dino at Tuatara sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Mm. pizza and all the fancy. Speaking of Dino... Were you um mm. were you riding for him with his chop brand or yeah. anything like that? So you're hard on the man, yeah, totally. Because that was gnarly, like the that was cool impact that chop had. Like mm. it was, I mean, it sort of coincided with the snow, snow park, park a little bit, eh? Yeah, the chop washed up cup and that. Yeah, like um like. <laughs> Fuck! Do we need to talk about? We, we should probably talk about Chop. I just don't know where to start. Yeah, like, well, Chop went to the Olympics. I managed to like sneak a sticker on the back of my helmet, and so in two thousand and six, Chop Chop was at the Olympics. It's really hard to get any stickers past the mark. Yeah, at the Olympics, like there's literally sticker police with mm. vivids and duct tape at the Holy top of the halfpipe, like taping up any branding. But I managed. I had Chop on the back of my helmet. So it's perfect because when you're dropping into the half pipe, you're usually looking at the back of your helmet. So there it was, gold chop. Um, oh, but yeah, that, so there would have been the around the prime was like 2006, mm. and they had a really strong brand ID, eh? Yeah, and they and, made and the shop was like, and the shop was super cool. Mm. So I wish that, that I bought more chops. I, I wish now, that they'd kept know? it, you yeah. know. But, I mean, the poor bastard, you see him in there seven days a week. So, That's oh, right, man, like, yeah. It's, it's not easy, obviously. No. Um, that was a fucking cool thing. It's um, the same with Pink. Like, it wasn't actually that much money to yeah. be made. It's, yeah. It, yeah, and A few the, brands do do it, like though. Chop Shop was in what would now be prime real estate, so it wouldn't have been Yeah. Cheap. Speaking of... Um, Shops and prime real estate. How sick was the boardhouse back in the day? Yeah. So you were, were you on the boardhouse team Definitely, as well? Definitely, yeah. Fucking, um, I just, from what I heard, like, that team was fucking notorious when it went touring. <laughs> like, well, it was probably because Ollie was in the van. O- Ollie Burke. Ollie yeah. Burke is, and then Rion driving his, like, Land Cruiser, like, eight. See uh, the V8, like old school V8 yeah. Land Cruisers, hummed, dude. Gung, 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 gung. Once you're going at about 90 down the, oh, such a cool car. And then, uh, yeah, but oh, we were pretty well behaved, I think. Oh, yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I've just heard stories to the contrary. Maybe it wasn't even, maybe it was just one singular member of the team. I'm not entirely sure, but like, so was it? Remind me. So was the team actually official was just a bunch of like oh no that was properly official official i yeah. just I, I, I remember like my girlfriend at the time had a boardhouse hoodie yeah it had the truck on the back and it said underneath everyone's fucking favorite touring team <laughs> <laughs> and, like that's probably because of some of the like antics i've you know like i do i, I do remember ollie on my birthday and I'm me throwing logs of wood at him because, I don't know, various reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Just awkward. love-hate relationship. <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of that big brother or little brother mm. thing. Of, ah. mm. <laughs> I'm going to get you back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's uh, definitely a colourful um, figure in New Zealand snowboarding. I yeah. Can't, 
can't wait to have him on here. I know. Wait, just wait till his little boys start. They're really good snowboarders already. Mm. And little skaters. Oh, it's, mm. it's only gonna. That was always gonna happen though. Yeah. Like he's like he's still like. Will put a picture, a uh, video up on his Instagram story of like Ollie Burke on still riding an Atlantis snowboard doing rodeos at Cadrona. It was like, whoa, that's yeah. fucking. That's that's still all there. That's fuck- and he won the. Yeah, um, it is. He's such a sick skater. Like he, seriously. Yeah, and he won Dogger's mini pipe comp. Yeah. Which like, I know. Fuck yeah! You know that's that's. <laughs> he sick. got like three trophies that day. Six shot Ollie. That's fucking <laughs> rad. Um, like as I said before, I've sort of worn my notes out. So if you want to yeah. take it from here with things Same. that you want to. No, that's about, that's good. We've got this uh, stock enders we do. And it oh yeah, the stock enders. All oh, right, that's right. So favorite rider? Um, well, I think it's Tra- uh, Travis Rice. You're pretty unfuckwithable with that yeah. dude, isn't he? Uh, favorite mountain? Treble cone. Treble cone. Favorite board? Ah, the skeleton key. And I, I got it at the beginning of this year, last year. Took it to Japan. I've I've had some work in Japan coaching. It's oh, been right. fantastic. Free ride coaching and on free ride resorts, and last the last year we had the, some of the best snow I've ever had in my life. So was it? So the search continues, rad. Tony. And we're about to Japan, were you? At this place called Kororo, north right. coast uh, Hokkaido. So you, instead of going, you go to Sapporo, but instead of going over to Niseko, yeah, you stay on the north coast or sort of. I think it's kind of northwestish. And you stay, and then it's kind of backs to, on to Niseko. It's oh, on the right. other side. Oh, sweet. And it's Kororo. It's up a valley. There's only really one hotel up there. Mean. It's really cool. There's heaps of backcountry and gate gated terrain. So they they let you in. They'll close it if it's not safe. Mm. So it's kind of halfway backcountry, which is quite not, not Japanese style, you know. They're normally yeah. like pieced or not. Yeah. So this is like off-pieced, but it's... Um, patrolled. Oh, mean. Yeah, and it's so, big. It's a big resort. All right, so the, so the skeleton key, that's Burton. Yeah, so the key. skeleton key, um, may, a men's snowboard. Yeah. First time I've had a men's snowboard for about 15 years, and I probably won't go back to female boards. Oh, how come? Just don't perform. Well, I, I don't know. Like I, I don't have big feet. I've got a, like a size 8 men's boot, maybe. Yeah, which is a... St- 7... Uh, nine girls, mm. seven or I don't know, but the skeleton key is camber full camber um, directional mm. with heaps of side cut. So I and it's got a big nose and a short tail, so it's kind of one of those free ride oh, boards. Nice, oh, responsive. I can't believe why I haven't been riding a board like this my I'm whole sad. life. Like I'm sorry, but twin tips, no more. Sort of moved on from that now. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Um, favorite video part? Uh, and I guess uh, probably just anything she yeah. puts out's pretty yeah. bang on, eh? Um, favorite gig? Is it music? Or whatever you want. But oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we can start with music and then segue into yeah. other things. It's like name dropping. I'm not quite bad with bad, oh, bad right. names. We, we, we can come back to that one. I do like Shapeshifter live, but... I mean, they, they put on a good show. Eh? Yeah. Mm. Uh, favourite city? Overseas. Oh. Oh, uh, favourite city? 
Probably um, Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah. So. I've been there two times. I don't know what if I'd live there, but I've never seen anything so crazy as that. Sagrada Familia. Mm. It's so big, eh? I've not, I've not seen it's it. It's so big. Um, Favourite track? Oh, um, okay, so uh, nose press on a wind lip with a rock at the end of it. And then you kind of like nolly over the rock. <laughs> nose press nolly. Rad. Uh, Favourite board graphic? Um, oh, I think it's like an old lip tech and it's got like real colourful bottom. Um, and who has the best method? Craig Kelly. Craig Kelly. Fuck yes. Yeah. Yeah. No one. <laughs> I've run I've had on so far. No one said Craig Kelly. Like, whoa, oh, fuck. But to yeah, us. man. He did absolutely. the nice, like, big stretched out one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's and the cool. and the pipe he did pretty cool methods too. Yeah. When I mean, he was all pro. Well, um, do you have any uh, thanks and shout outs before we peace out? Yeah, I like to shout out to G Man because he has been a great guy, and my little girl Rita, and my mum and my dad, who taught me how to snowboard or taught me how to you know go into the mountains. And he never saw me go to the Olympics or anything. But he was my, you know, like, number one love, you know. Yeah. Super nice man. And so, yeah, I often think of Dad. So cheers to him. Thank you, Mr. Bray. Yeah. Sweet. (laughs) Rachel, uh, well, she's one of my closest friends. And um, also a coach who coached me leading up to 2010 Olympics. And also she coached Kendall Brown. Christy Pryor, um, JJ Rayward, I That's think. Right, yeah. yeah. She's and had a lot to do with all the junior development crew before there was really anything established. She her heart's in the right place. Uh, a lot of those kids went to junior worlds with her. So how's about the time she broke her back? So, oh so I'll tell you about I wasn't there. My first impression of Rachel. I, first time I ever heard the name Rachel Newton. Was this picture oh. of her New Zealand snowboarder going, launching off this rock? Yeah, yeah. And the caption was Rachel Newton going massive and ending up in Dunedin. Yeah, so she did a huge drop and broke her back in the backcountry. Fucking hell. Yeah, but that was like not the pinnacle of her, her snowboarding, no, of course, because the got... woman can snowboard like better than anyone. Like her skills on edge are beyond anything I've ever hmm. seen, and she can ski as good as she well she's better at snowboarding but she's mm. an amazing skier as well she's like level three instructor and in both disciplines and she has an understanding of like edge and ball control awesome when she was hpc coach at cadrona because she was she was fully backing my work as a workshop tech oh cool like, like she was totally as That's... soon as as soon as i got a chance to actually do her edges properly and structure her board that was it, and all those boys yeah. were coming so in. So she can actually feel the difference between yeah. a good and tune board and a uh, not so bad. She promoted yeah. what I was doing in the workshop so much. So she was absolutely committed to New Zealand snowboarding mm. and coaching all the development kids, coaching me, coaching anyone that needed it, and working at Snow Park. She also done so the... was she coaching at Snow Park yeah, as well? Yeah, she coached at Snow Park, ran the... the um, Snow girls thing. Snow with Abby girls, and, yeah, Abby and Haley. like the the 
coaching um, program up there. Mm. Plus, she'd also already done the HPC at Cadrona, and they had a really strong few years there mm-hmm. when she was coached. But then she went on to Canada and coached the um, World Cup border cross guys that went on to the Olympics and won really? medals. So she's an right. amazing. So she's a bit of a lot, like a great loss actually, because she was working for various people in New Zealand mm. and she had a wasn't wasn't cared for and so, pushed away. So we lost her. Honestly, mm. Rachel really is so amazing mm. with youth as well, and she has such a young spirit and she can ride just as good as anyone so yeah she's really just like a little firecracker she's also one of responsible for one of the best quotes ever (laughs) as far as a i've heard a coach say to my face yeah um so we would tee up with hpc and go over to the libtech quest bank slalom over at coronet which the rules there uh it's mandatory dress up uh, no hard boots no race boards and if you're caught breaking those rules, it's a wall of snowballs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's a wall of snowballs anyway. And uh, and so <laughs> put the idea out to Rachel and those guys, you know, like, yeah, we're going over. You guys are coming over. And she's like, that's a good idea. I've been working on trying to teach them the fundamentals of edge control. What better way to do it when a bunch of people are trying to throw snowballs and axe you? <laughs> <laughs> yes like, Rachel yeah. like, she looks at a positive every yeah we, we've been lucky enough to go overseas and meet up in the last two years twice in Japan oh, and spend sad. like 18 days riding together uh, in Hokkaido yeah and um, so unfortunately this year it's not happening like actually right now I would have been in Japan if COVID yeah. wasn't happening with Rachel and it's so amazing as you get older to go riding with your old friends and and like push each other and mm. actually find out like we're still learning from learning about the sport and getting better and it's not until you you get some so good at something that you can actually appreciate the beauty of that sport mm. i was talking to rion about that when we went skateboarding it's like well it's not until you actually get good enough until you actually get that true feeling and that's where the connection happens with with people in the sport with snowboarding especially for me is that they are it's like a craft mm. you know and when you get that good at it you really actually understand what what it feels like mm. to snowboard and be on the on the earth but like be able to just fly at any moment mm. you know it's what's like, um What's the Amazing. gnarliest or best thing you've seen Rachel do on a snowboard? Uh, she is pretty sick freerider. Um, she's really agile and, and really creative on terrain. So she, she's sort of mm. like, n- you never know when she's going to just like jump and go 20 feet. Um, I'd say... But yeah, in border cross, probably like she's really, very fast. Real powerful. Just, though. just her um, skills. Yeah. Actually, is probably what is really outstanding. Yeah. If she was bigger, because she's quite small. Yeah. She'd be like, she would have won the World Cups, you know. But yeah. the the problem is she's tiny, so her and I would race together, and uh, I could beat her. But it was pretty much because I was 
bigger and heavier. Mm. Like she she outskilled me big yeah. time. Yeah. I just yeah I remember you know when I was talking about that uh, rock drop picture. Yeah. I didn't like that was my first season working right drone. And it just the caption just got my attention. Like the, yeah. the, the whole picture, the whole everything, just was like, "Wow, that's an attention getter." Yeah, yeah. Like, holy shit! Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah and she, she is, obviously recovered. She, from her, it. she, her personality is awesome. Mm. And so, yeah, she's she's awesome. She's she's coached most of the successful snowboarders at some point. So um, Christy Pryor, she had a bit to do with her. Really? Yeah, yeah. When she was yeah. well young, Rachel coached her. Quite oh, intensively. Right. Was this Snow Park sort of? Uh, actually, HPC at Kajorona before Snow Park, yeah. Holy. When Christy was like 14, probably, 13. Really? Young, yep. And awesome, yeah. Oh, good, sweet. Good lady. So she's a uh, total sort of unsung hero of New Zealand yeah. snowboarding then. And a bit of a loss, so, great yeah. loss to New Zealand snowboarding because so, she's in Canada these days. Based in Red Mountain or something? Yeah, eh? yeah. Oh, she's man. she's riding, actually she's coaching probably this weekend oh, right. at Red. Well, I mean, she'll be stoked to be based at Red Mountain though. That mountain's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Ride. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And she, she's, pr- yeah, I mean, it's like I'm as good as, it's good. probably as good as Wanaka, if not better, or at mm. least it's a... The equivalent, it's it just um, it's so far away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I do miss her. She just joined the Red Mum Brigade too. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's a thing. Like, you know, we, I kind of think, oh, this is the history of New Zealand snowboarding. But I've actually been a mum for the last 10 years, like yeah. properly bringing up kids. <coughs> and mm. and so, yeah, that's it's nice to talk about. The history of New Zealand snowboarding because it's really close to my heart. Mm. I do feel sometimes like a little bit like, um, yeah, there's touch and then, but it's still in my heart. So yeah, there's yeah, well, you know, a few it, people it, that it have, never leaves. Like it's always. I, I guess it's kind of like skateboarding and stuff too, right? Like, like you know, even in I know dudes that stopped skating years ago. But mm. they'll still walk down the road and, manu- and, and imagine like, oh yeah, man, yeah, yeah. popping off that thing there, and oh, what's like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, why aren't you back on your board, dude? If you're thinking yeah, about it, yeah, like, exactly. You know, and same with snowboarding too. Yeah. It's always it doesn't have to be extreme. There. Like I was skateboarding just slowly, and I put elbow knee pads on, helmet. Today. Yeah. Oh, with um. With Rion. Re- Rion. Yeah, so. and we were in and Jay who came for a skate on his old school board at the park because I want to skate the new park like it's been redone mm. is amazing. Yeah, like Just it like really is quite nice. Fun street course sort of There's thing. Heaps to do. I haven't skated heaps it yet. to do, and then the old bowls have been resurfaced in exactly the same shape, so it's kind of oh, like man. cool. I know the trannies. And it's just faster. Oh, Rion would have been on fire in there then, eh? He's super silky and he's like real efficient on it. And he can roll around the, like you said, roll around those bowls real oh, high up. Wait, yeah. Because I haven't awesome. seen him skate much. And he, yeah. But like watching him do like just, he he's obviously fucking around. He's doing these frontside calves with his hands behind his back. Just do, do, do. It's yeah. like, damn, bro. Like, yeah, he looks really casual. And, I think he put up an Instagram post today where he's doing a hand plant off um, 
a ledge that's connected to the old quarter pile. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, dude. Like, I saw him do that, yeah. and it, it's like he didn't even make a sound as really? well. Like, when he landed, it wasn't like, you know, stomp. It was just like, Pff. and then yeah. he rolls off, and yeah, everything's really efficient, and it's amazing. And, and he's someone... like closing 50. Right. Yeah, no. Actually, there's another dude that I wanted to mention was John Shelley. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's an old school Kiwi that used to race. And all of like the, like Spy knows him. And he um, went on the World Cup pretty much back in the day before anyone had done it. And he was really, really generous and come back to New Zealand and share all his knowledge. Yeah. And not only that, but when we'd go overseas, he'd hook us up with somewhere to stay. And so in Whistler, Rich Hunt and I used to go and stay there, and he'd coach me for border cross. Right. And the guy had been coached by real high level, like uh, more like a ski race technique. Yeah. So I got to learn from him how to carve my snowboard like you would do giant slalom on a ski. Mm. And so it's really fast, and it's a different style of snowboarding that you don't really get to learn from New Zealand coaches. Yeah. So he he was amazing and super generous, and I still there's like four things he he said to me is like um, patience, early um, so it's early pressure on your edge, patience so you stay on your edge, but you keep it pointing down the fall line. And then even pressure, so you just put pressure on both feet, and you don't really do the work, you just let the board do the work. And then look ahead, and you could he, he would say to me for over and over again, you could work on this for the rest of your life, and snowboarding, and probably ne- not necessarily ever get it. Mm. And so I've been working on these things over the last four years, but it's actually harder than it sounds. But if you get early pressure, like you get high jangle at the beginning of your turn, mm. and then be patient, so you keep your board pointing down the mountain, and then literally just let the board do the work, and look where you want to go. That your whole free riding, especially, just mm. opens up, and you can like be at one with the mountain you know you're like yeah yeah and so it's taken me years i didn't understand what he's talking about for years right. but now is... i get it i think i get it and it's but it's, he's right it takes years of practice mm. and strength and conditioning to actually be able to coordinate yourself to do it and then you don't have to you never have any um washout on your edge your line and through the snow is just one straight line if you master it. Right. So you can look at your line and know that you... I oh know. I didn't get it. You think you got it, but you didn't get it. Mm. So it's really fun to work on that. Um, so thanks, Josh. I think it's more like old school, school ski racing. Yeah, right. Coming into, like, where a lot of people never have learnt that. Yeah. And, yeah, free riders get it. And people like Zoe do it naturally. And, mm. yeah, Spy knows what I'm talking about because he's... He he's like been able to tip me on like stuff like that. So, so was Spy coaching you at some point? Yeah, like, Spy's really? definitely like coached. He did the um, snowboard instructors stuff. So I learned a lot there actually, in about seven days with him. Yeah, just 
on how to snowboard and never really thought about it before. And then he did like development squad camps for development teams. And he was really cool with his um, tactics and border cross. He had really good advice on tactics he'd, and border cross and stuff like that. He'd be quite a um, potent border cross competitor. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. He's got the size to go with it. Oh, yeah. fully. And the, he had and the, the skill. tactical ideas, like, you know, the attack line and the um, defensive line. And, yeah, it was, it was ahead of its time, really, because mm. I went and won a World Cup after that. In border cross, and I did after, exactly what. After what spy sense sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, what I'd probably learned from all those guys that were like real creative, um, you know, into snowboarding and didn't doubt what was possible. Mm. So I was thinking about that after t- why as you listened to Ewan Straits' podcast, and I felt that um, I didn't realize it at the time, but just being around those people that had that common goal and common it belief that you just naturally feel like it's more possible yeah when you because i definitely had a vision when i was quite young that i could i could do this i could Mm. make a career out of this so you sort of started out as like a freestyle skate inspired snowboarder and then and then all the gnarly edge control training sort of came in later on sort of thing totally yeah Mm. um yeah i just had the will i didn't necessarily have the like skills yet and um luckily gifted with a strong physique and because it's interesting sports person in general so it was interesting watching time you know like we can definitely like fast track people if Mm. we can give them all these skills now but also for the um protection you know so they don't get hurt and get bad injuries because it's been funny or interesting going back to the issues in New Zealand snowboarder researching for this podcast and you get to the nationals thing and because you had um border cross half pipe slope style in racing and everyone did everything like you'd see yeah. quentin robbins who was a freestyle god doing the border cross as well and trevor ponting and those dudes and i'm not you know i mean that doesn't yeah. really seem like that anymore it seems like now it's like hardcore kessler border cross races yeah true hardcore Yes, yes. I'd love to bring the love back for um, community border cross racing. Mm. Just good old-fashioned, like, who can get to the bottom first. And then that's that's kind of like grassroots, you know, and getting community. Mm. Because it used to be grassroots competitions. It used to be, yeah. And it looked like we were off to a start a couple of years ago. There seemed to be um, every mountain had a bank slalom competition a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Because you've obviously got the treble cone one, which has been going since Spy and well, New Action Fun like, Group. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, well, the Coronet LibTech one that's been going for 10, 12 years now. And they're the polar opposite. Like the TC one's quite is a bit more serious, whereas the Coronet one's totally not. Dress up, yeah. That's and, good fun. And, and then I think there was a Mount Hut one for a while. Yeah. Verona tried to do one. It'd be sick to have like yeah. the banks, you know, uh, sort of the bank slalom comps seem to be like a return back. Yeah, there's, it's a bit of, of religion thing. almost, isn't yeah. it? I um, reckon I look. I've. I wished I could have done every single one of them, but I just couldn't. Mm. Yeah, Amber right. took them out for a few years. 
Oh, Amber, Amber Shooker. Yeah, I wish that I could have um, raced Christ. with her and then we could have really figured it out. <laughs> hey, Amber. Christ, well, she was, um, <laughs> she did win a whole lot of them for a long yeah, time. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was um, unable to race. And did you win the one just been? Yeah, but there weren't that many people there. So Amber wasn't there. Amber wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Get, uh, Ra- Actually, Rachel Mila, Mila, the chick from Aussie, she's only 16, training with Ollie Midgley at oh, yeah. Cadrona, yeah. is an amazing snowboarder, and she bet my time by about oh, point, like, 10 of a, like, point 0.1 of a second, like, it was real close, and she's amazing, Le- legit, yeah. Ollie's a fucking GC, too. Man. Yeah, yeah, he's lovely, um, amazing coach. Did you see that? Amazing um, snowboarder. He posted a picture. He doesn't post pictures of himself riding, but he posted one of like the most tweaked out frontside air. Yeah, and I was like, damn, I didn't know that like the equipment these days could let you tweak like that. Guy, like, <laughs> I watched him snowboard all the time because we work together, mm. and he is amazing for someone who's so tall as well. Mm. He looks like a cat, and he rides the whole time all day for like some days we'll do twenty plus, twenty five plus runs. Yeah. And he's always on the snow with his crew, mm. and he's not just on the snow. He's hitting hitting rails the whole time, and mm. he's he's like a cat. He's one of my favorite coaches because he supports yeah. me in the workshop. Yeah, and bring, bet. brings his kids to us, and, and all the kids like so. really enjoy coaching. And he's well respected, and he's mm. a, he's a and so he should he should be because mm. he's a very talented coach. So I like working with him, and I am, and so Cadrona are doing some good stuff with their mm. their park squad, and we're doing free ride free ride at TC, and the, we've got to start up snowboarding free ride because they've oh, only right. got ski free ride at and, TC. And is that to sort of head towards the um, free riding competitions? Yeah, sort of things? yeah. But cool. it's definitely just you've got to go to TC if you're free ride. You can't you... free ride kids can't go to Cadrona when you can go to TC. Yeah, now, now that it's on the same pass, it's, yeah. it's got to be way so easier. Yeah, it's um, exciting. Because so, when you guys yeah. look at like Let's the um, New Zealand Junior Freeride Tour, mm-hmm. what's that, like the competition that Dion does? Yeah. Because um, that's pretty cool. Like It's been a vision for a while. And yeah. So when you guys try and work and well, get on get on get them on board that's, that sort that's of thing. pretty much why the program has demand because yeah. of what dion is um creating with the competition circuit and so that's mm. really exciting and it's so cool that dion's into it because he's into skiing and snowboarding and there's mm. no doubt um i just hope that there's enough momentum mm. in the future so he's for up. without the foreigners mm. coming that we can do that kind of See. with the kids but also i felt last season without the foreigners here that there was this amazing style coming out mm. through the kiwis riding that's, that's what um jj was saying like, yeah cool because he was in that obsidian thing yeah and he was just one of those things where he sort of took a lot of rounds like holy shit we've got a lot of talent here yeah yeah you know and, and like, it's really cool how we um kiwis tend to do their own They've got a little bit of a crazy style about mm. it, and if we have too much time around the Americans, for example, we tend to start snowboarding like them, mm. and I think that's why we're all like freaking out about the history of New Zealand snowboarding because we know that we were ahead of 
the times mm. before the influence of media on the sport mm. and now there's media everywhere in the world well it's like it's like bring it back to the roots and you come up with this amazing recipe mm. of hardcore like if you if you rewind beauty, you know? if you rewind the tape back to the 90s and read an issue of new zealand snowwater and then read an issue of Transworld yeah the same year totally different things yeah styles and and it was so and, and, yeah and you'd even read about how visiting pros would come to new zealand and be like oh wow it's so cool how things are so different here yeah and and i'm sure it was the same if they you know people were going to australia or scandinavia or europe and everyone just had their different way of doing things and it wasn't right or wrong it was just you know yeah and and like new zealand definitely we have a bit of an x factor i think when it gets to extreme sports i think we don't really know what the limit is we're not going from what we've seen we, mm. we're just kind of exploring yeah because i mean there was just so many new zealanders that i'm starting to find out now that have actually made more of an impact on the international scene than i realized i mean mm. we know christy prize made an impact but going back to like people like Danny Meyer. Yeah, the, yeah. The first pro, the ground zero for the Zoe Sinnets and Carlos Cassini Knights now. And, yeah. And then a few years later you had like Ollie Brunton, Quentin Robbins, yourself and all these people making an impact internationally. It's, I don't know, it's pretty cool, man. That, but yeah, there, there was a really quirky cool. New Zealand flavour to it, right? Yeah. Like that wasn't... That hence the Danny copy. Kiwi Meyer because he... Yeah. People loved it, and so yeah, I, I was inspired by that. And he made it like big time. He he made it actually seem like you know tabloid kind of it's famous. You know, in our opinion, it was like magazine. You're in a magazine. It's like you yeah. are a pepper. You know, first, <laughs> first dude I had on my wall as a grom was a picture of Danny Meyer. It was fucking yeah, so sick. But like talking to him about his Alaska experiences. Like, he was there with Sean Farmer and all those dudes when it was all first ascents and shit. Mm. And it's like, how fucking awesome and gnarly is that? You yeah. Know? And yet, it's sort of, we, you know, we know about it, but Joe Shred doesn't. It's no. Like, Damn, like, yeah. it's kind of yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. you know, and so, like, I can't wait for people to hear his story because holy shit I am so excited to hear his story um, and um, yeah everyone's had their journey eh? mm. another name Mm. that uh, I think we were looking at bringing up before we had this interview was JMS oh yes cool yeah Yeah, because he's come up a few times with other people where he made snowboards and he's Mm. like got the snowboard press and the side cut and he did make many a snowboard in his garage hmm. I, I seen him do it because he made me snowboards so he <laughs> so made you <laughs> he made me like bunches of snowboards to do border cross racing on right and he's like kind of sponsored me but he was also employed by uh snow sports new zealand as a coach and a wax tech so hmm. he came to the olympics in 20, uh, 2006 and i rode his boards and all was going well but i blew it so he reckoned that he made some mistakes with the wax, which was the hardest wax day. Like the time difference in the women's was like 
I think it was eight seconds between the fastest person and the slowest person. And normally there's like two seconds between the fastest mm-hmm. and the slowest. And so it was snowing during the day and we'd waxed for like morning conditions. But as competitions always do, they run longer than they should. So mm-hmm. by the time I got to race, it was like one o'clock and there was like eight inches of powder on the, on the track. So we tried our best to scrape the wax off and re-wax up at the top of the course um yeah his boards are amazing these mm. ones were like long girl like 160 and um pretty pretty stiff and was, so was, i hadn't really had enough time properly to na- like ride them properly I and think. so was that because say burton who your other sponsor was wasn't really making boards for that sort of riding yeah sort of thing. yeah so there was a big move towards people you know like the, the kessler is it the Kessler, Kessler boards, Donick and those guys, yeah. Kaisler, Kaiser, Kaiser. I don't know. I I, I just Kaiser know it's a Kessler. So, yeah. uh, maybe it's Kessler. No, it's Kessler. Yeah, the everyone pretty much everyone was on those, so we had to keep up with the Joneses, you know, and and ride these longer race boards. Uh, I was so yeah. If I'd had a few more years training on those, I would have done better, I think. Mm. But it's really interesting to see a board being made and how yeah all the materials that go into it Mm, it's a lot more than just plastic and wood eh? yeah yeah i mean so jms he's definitely uh that factory i mean they produce what the unit boards which everyone's finding out i have a love affair with yes yes um what what else did he do he did trust uh glenn glenn house right um, Trust, yes, Tra- Trevor Plunting did a syndicate and podium through him as well. Yeah, uh, Ribcage. Ribcage, Ribcage was, was his brand. Own one, yeah. Uh, Lance McCurdy did Pentagram through through oh, him for a hot wow. minute. So I mean, he he definitely sorted out a lot of lot of people and stuff. Yeah, right? and, and did a lot more. And he's got to be one of the only snowboarders from New Zealand that's had a full double page photo in Transworld Snowboarding. True, right. That hand, yeah, plant, JMS. hand plant on the rail in like 92 or something. No way. Yeah, he was really good at, he is good at hand plants. Mm. So yeah, we do miss you, JMS. Mm. So I think he's over surfing him in Australia somewhere now. Yeah, yeah and his so. partner Mal and... Yeah, right. yeah, well that guy, he, he would, I think he'd be pretty stoked to come riding with us now. He'd be like, yes, you guys have finally figured it out. <laughs> so he was <laughs> that far ahead, eh? Well, um, Tom... Snowboard Workshop Tom Tom Beatson has Jamie's presses now. Oh, cool! The those those ones. So I think they're being used. Yeah, current. yeah. But it is out of it watching the board being made, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although I have Salud. to say the the unit ones are on my wall now, and I wish that I hadn't ridden them into the ground. But <laughs> here we are. That's all I had. But, but I mean the the one six five Koru unit Koru that I had. I did about 300 days on that thing and it's still got, like, it's fucking camber. Nice. <laughs> Nuts, eh? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Good camber. Because I think Ollie, I, I told that to Ollie, Ollie Brunson. It's like, dude, I think I actually sent him a picture, like, check out how much camber this has still got. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, uh, we, we wanted them made like that because uh, the army boards were going flat after 15 days with all the bears we were carrying in our pockets. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Ollie. <laughs> Big huge camber on them. Support the beer and us. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ollie's just the best, though, man. Yeah, I'd love to see them. Mm, he's he's living in Vietnam now or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know what he's doing. Come back to New Zealand. Aotearoa. Mm. So, I mean, his Instagram, according to his Instagram post, he seems pretty stoked. What he's doing, it's on foil boards or something now. Oh, yes, I have yeah. seen some of that. So I don't really know much about foil boards, but... Uh, is there any other thanks or people we need to mention before we sign this guy off? Um, yeah, oh, there's one mate that, the guy that took that photo on the cover. That's the New Zealand snowboarder. Oh, yeah, cover. the New Zealand yep. snowboarder, the cover shot that I got. Yeah. Was a guy called Colin Samuels, and he was just like up TC one day, and I was hiking up in my pink outfit. I think I even had my pink dress on. Oh, really? Yeah, snowboard dress. So this was like 98, and he was hiking up with his skis, and he's like, oh, can I take some photos of you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And um, then a couple of days later, we like exchanged phone numbers, and he's like, I'm going to come film you. I'm a photographer. And I'm like, great, let's go film. And so we shot all these photos of rocks and all sorts and became really good friends. And... Yes, the photos became, like, on the cover, you know, got the cover shot with that, and it was great because he was a proper photographer, had various uh, big mountain ski photos from mostly in Europe, and so I went to stay with him because I really wanted to free ride, like, big mountain. Mm. So this was, like, 98, go over to uh, Europe and go to Le Graf because mm. I want to do the Derby. It's, like, yep. a big mountain sort of Chinese downhill style thing at La Grave, which is mm. one of the big free ride resorts on the the uh, mountain range called La Merge and it's huge. It's like 3,000 metres easily and so it's a really extreme area and we went up and we're, so I stayed with Colin and his girlfriend and uh, Takahiro who's a big mountain snowboarder from japan and we'd hang out and go snowboarding for about a week and then it rained so the competition actually got cancelled but uh, while i was there i got i got to snowboard with a bunch of big mountain skiers like doug combs and stuff only a few years before he died and i was pretty young at the time and we were riding around and i was like on this japanese snowboard that my sponsors had given me and so this was Cosmic Surf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were just like, you know, asking their skier photographer mate, like, you know, what the heck? Are, who, who's this girl, like, on this little snowboard? And why are you bringing her to this big mountain? You know, like, what are you thinking? And so they took me up the hill and I went, you know, they were skiing, I was snowboarding, and I was just like, thought nothing of it it's like this is normal just go riding and mm. you know like finding some lines and getting down into some shoots and oh yep that shoot doesn't have an exit but that's okay i can drop off the rock at the end of the shoot no worries yep sweet and so we go riding for a few days and we and they're like oh you sure do know how to ride that little jib stick <laughs> and he's like big american scares and i was like yeah sweet and, you know, went to the big parties and, and he turned, like, Doug Combs was 50 that week and we had this huge party and I, I got to go down to this other village and, like, we shot a sheep and 
and like it was probably more like authentic life what, than I've experienced did, ever. And why did you guys shoot a sheep? Because of it was Doug's Combs fiftieth, and we had to like that's, that's, feed like a oh, bunch right. of people, so yeah. we had to shoot the sheep to feed oh, right. at the party, and so it was amazing. And I went to this um this old village. And these two twin French farmers who would have been like yeah, 50 or something, and I was like 24, and they shot the sheep and slaughtered the sheep, and then we went into their little cottage, and I shot their hands, and me and Colin, the photographer, um, sat down with them. We drank um, the dinner pee with them that they'd made themselves, and it was like 50% like full-on rocket fuel. I remember shaking their hands, and their hands were like, leather like way more tough than any kiwi farmer of oh, yeah. met, eh? like <laughs> these guys were literally like from the from the dark ages like prehistoric frenchmen and yeah and then it was just like out of this world and la grave is still one of the most um spectacular places i've ever been and and riding with doug holmes was like so the most amazing thing big mountain legend yeah mm. and he died a few years ago and ever uh, he fell fell actually fell down the cliff and the guy was just real a bit of an inspiration and mm. I, I didn't really realize who well i knew who he was but um mm. yeah not much of a, a name dropper so i didn't really realize who i was with but yeah that was pretty cool mm. and so while we're on the subject of uh was it colin the photographer yeah how did that cover shot go down? That went down at the top of TC. We just yep. hiked and we just shot just, like for a few days. Did heaps of rock drops around TC. Um, so there wasn't any multiple, premeditation. Yeah, we just... got multiple work. No, he was selling photos to Patagonia as well. So right. I made some cash from that, and he used the photos. And then he sent. It. I just said, "Oh, let's send some to the New Zealand snowboarder." And, and it was like, boom, it was a cover shot. I was did like, you, yeah. Did you know that it was going to be a cover shot? Or no. Did you find, so you no. found out when the magazine hit the rack? Uh, no, 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 no. Phil told me before it was on the cover, but um, before it came out, yeah. Mm. Well, that's a pretty yeah, yeah. iconic cover yeah, shot. Yeah, and it's cool. It still sticks up today, 20 years later. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And actually, mm. I don't think many people have had the opportunity to hit the rock the same way that I did that day because of the way the snow had blown in but um it's also like there's no running so you have to like climb up and then it's just kind of like you know like a skeleton drop kind of you get a bit of a run so it's quite helpful like the skateboarding and stuff or you can treat some of the terrain more like a ramp i mean that that's that's a classic part of new zealand right like and the same at cadrona i think anywhere like you know the wind plays a huge deal on this yeah certain features that me and my friends have gone and hit be like oh rad we've got to go and back and hit that and then you it's know, go, go the back same. next season and it's yeah. not there it's totally uh, i know I've right got this one particular rock that i've wanted to go back on and get properly and, and it's, it's just never set never up yeah set up since exactly and so 2000 and i've been trying to go back since 2004 and it still hasn't happened i love happened, that i know? love it yeah and, uh, and so yeah you'll always be searching and then one day mm. you'll yeah hit a rock that never been on before mm. it's like that's mm. never been in line before and this <laughs> this year it is so it is changing always mm. and the search is like yeah people always love to tell you about their best day snowboarding ever mm. man everyone wants you know to tell you about your, or everyone wants to tell me about their best day snowboarding ever and it's like 
start to think, oh man, everyone's had a pretty good day. Well, you know, like I've never had that. And it's like, but that's the search, you know. Mm. And people will always like tell you about their best run ever. Um, but that's only happened once, mm. you know. But I mean, I mean that's, that's just how it is. So you're not going to really talk about the shit times even unless it's comically hilarious yeah it's like traveling right you only when you come back from your travels you talk about all the cool shit not the not necessarily the shit shit yeah exactly yeah you know it's talking about the bad times but it's hard to pick like best day riding ever because straight away i've got like 10 that come to mind and we're like are we talking about just new zealand or yeah no definitely for me in new zealand but i think i've also had an amazing day um Albert. Mount Albert. Yeah, ah, Fat Albert. Right, yeah. Yeah, and so I went up there with the Heli Challenge, and Jossie and me were up the top, and it was closing in, and Jossie was only 11, yeah. and, that, and Tony Harrington had said, kids go first, girls go second, dudes go third, and I was like, well, there's only like five girls up here, and there's only one kid, so that's Jossie, so sweet, Jossie goes first, so me and Jossie are sitting at the top and I'm like you're gonna go first are you okay and he's like yeah man I'm okay I'm gonna drop down here and he told me his line and I'm like sweet he's gonna be okay so just can't help it it's like Mm. the motherly instinct comes in he's Mm. like he gets it as well he's Mm. like yeah I'm gonna do this and he tells me everything and he's like yeah I feel safe and I'm like yep you're safe and And he was was 11 yeah (laughs) cool he's fine okay cool Right, my turn. Where am I going to ride? Okay, well, I'm just going to go that way a little bit of where Jossie went and slash the winds of it instead of drop the, like, cliff or whatever. And he's amazing. And then, yeah, years on, like, Mount Albert, that's where I totally was, like, amazed by Jossie. His little brothers, you know, they're, we're at Christmas and he's... Mum's not there because mum's back in New Zealand and we're in Breckenridge. We're on Breckenridge and... And the little boys are like, oh, they all sit next to me. And I'm like, why, why do they want to sit? It's like, it's because it's Christmas and they don't have their mum. Yeah. You know? And so, and so yeah, little Jacko and Bo James sit on either side of me for Christmas dinner. And I'm like, that's so cute. <laughs> and now they're like, huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think they're, they're obviously renowned as like powerful ski family, free skiing. Yeah. But what people probably don't realise is how many doors Jossie probably kicked down for competitive snowboarders in New Zealand too. Yeah, yeah. By doing what he's done. And I mean, they're all phenomenal board sports guys as well. Like, all ripping skaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. eh? There's no boundaries. Underestimate the contribution that the Wells Mm. boys, and Jossie especially, has actually... And Bruce, hey, Bruce has actually made to New Zealand snowboarding, which is ironic because Bruce fucking hated snowboarding. I know he day, chased right? me down the mountain when I first like <laughs> first few days at Cardona. Yeah, right. I want to see your pass, <laughs> and I'm like, well, why? I mean, I'm just snowboarding like everyone else, and he's like, I need to check. You've got a pass. I'm like, okay, <laughs> here it is. Yeah. And no, cause Bruce, I've, I've hassled him about that though, so it's cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think he's come around and he's seen, you know, like yeah, things are a bit different. But one of the, I think one of the boys, I can't remember which one, was telling me how Bruce used to back in the early nineties when like crew would be ollieing slow signs. Yeah, him, have a possum would tie a fishing line oh, between the things in between the people. See, that's why they're like. <laughs> 
Possum and Bruce. That's not cool. Well, possum. Karma. Jesus. We'll get you. I remember the first time I ever seen possum when I was working at Cadrona. It's like, Jesus Christ, the patrol guys were a bunch of mad bastards. Like them just blowing cars up and beer fights yep. and all yep. sorts of yep. shit. Yep. I had no, no part of that. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> no, I'm a really good girl. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was such a convincing tone right there, eh? Cool. Yeah, man. Well, that's, yeah, mainly the people I want to thank and just like, yeah, if you've got a creative outlet, let it flow. Don't be shy. Person to live there. And when things get tough, that's usually when... You're going to make a breakthrough, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's like all that build up and you won't know it, but it's the, good, the good stuff's just about to happen if you mm. work through the hard times. So, yeah, it's wanted to, Yeah, thanks, Tony, oh, doing sweet. this. <laughs> and also, like, to all the dudes that have uh, that inspiration when I was younger and to never doubt mm. what I could see was possible it wasn't like it was a subject of conversation but i just being around inspirational people when and still now mm. it's cool well that's us then thank you for your time julianne and hopefully Cheers, see you up the hill tiny. at some point Mean. thank you tiny